I wish the world were different, but this is what we've got. I wish the times weren't singing, but minding me, they're not. I wish that hate was useful. I've got far more than I need. I wish that lessons learn themselves, but until they do, we bleed. Blood can pour from the soul in the same way it can from the skin. Working to avoid spilling in its misguided self-limitation, and just as futile as attempting to avoid the burning of true exertion. When it comes, it comes. When it happens, it happens. Skin heals and souls strengthen. And neither are given the chance to do so without first being cut open. There's a truth to pain that few other things in the world can tell. The self-realization it inflicts in the beginning, the humility and gratitude it grants at the end. Real pain is both true serum and intoxicant, both poison and antidote. It shows the best of the good and the worst of the evil. Sometimes it covers you like a blanket. Sometimes it pours like water. Sometimes it burns like fire. In its hex, you feel most human. Under its lure, you feel clear and sharp. And now it is yours. You prayed for a station in life that never came. You had eyes on a prize that mere want could not claim. You are the epitome of mediocrity. And your now is your destiny. You'll plod through what's left, never moving the needle, and you'll gripe the whole time. Too dark to be good, too light to be evil. Our suffering is the slow, cracking chrysalis of personal evolution. We cannot rush the escape, or we risk emerging incomplete. We must bear down, breathe patiently through the fog and grime, and wait for our time. Hate, blood, pain, praying and waiting by our guest today, Greg Walsh. Greg, thank you so much for being here. I think uh, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. Well, th thank you. And, and something I can tell you is I've never heard any of those read aloud by anybody but me, and, and that is impactful, man. Uh, when I read that, amongst a few other stories that you shared from your book, War of Attrition, um, I really, really connected with the, the flow of the words, the, the thought that you considered and the, the rhythm of it. That's why I like to read a lot of things aloud, especially things that I connect with on a first pass. I'll go back and read it aloud to feel it even deeper. But, man, um, I am, I'm in envy of you in a lot of ways, and, I, and I, I love so much about who you are, the things that you've created, the passion that you create them with. And like we talked about for an hour nearly before we hit the record button, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to share this in a way so that we didn't attract people for the wrong reasons to the message that you're sharing, which is a little bit different, a little counter. Well, it's, it is counterculture to fitness at, at large, and I don't think it's digestible for everyone. I don't think everyone is, is, is ready for some of the truth that you lay down, and I think it's powerful stuff, man. And I thank you so much for taking the time to be here to share your message of fitness, of mentality, of, of life. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot in the few weeks that we've known one another. And your kindness, your humility, your graciousness, I mean, it's just people will never, ever grasp how much I appreciate this conversation because of the conversations that we've had behind the scenes. So well, with that, man, with, with before it goes any further, me just gushing over how, how appreciative I am, how are you doing today? 
Yeah, I, 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 I can resonate that. And, and one thing I can say, and, and you know, we, we touched on this when we spoke a few weeks ago briefly on the internet, was our initial phone call to me was um, a little bit nerve-wracking because all I knew was the version of you that I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. And that's always fascinating because the first time you actually connect with someone personally, um, and I know I'm, I'm quite sure you can relate to this. I've had it gone. I've had it go poorly more times than I've had it go well. Uh, a lot of times people can manufacture a lot about themselves online that they can't hold up in person or even on a phone call or something. And, and I don't know the, the fact that we were speaking such a similar language, but from such different places uh, was, was really, was really cool. And, and um, especially at a time when, uh, we, we do our absolute best every single day, but we have a lot of detractors and there's a lot of negativity that we have to deal with. It was, it was, it was a really, really pleasant surprise. So, I, so thank, so thank you for that. And, and man, I couldn't be happier to do this today. I, I, I think we're going to reach uh, some people that we've already reached in a different way. And, and we're, we're obviously going to connect with some people that have never heard anything that we're up to. Because like you said, I mean, we're, we, we've been around a long time and we've, we've kind of been a little bit unintentionally sneaky about it because I didn't want to roll anything out too early and we don't tend to, we don't tend to beat our chest as loud as a lot of people because, you know, we just kind of like to let our actions speak more for us. Man, I, uh, I really admire that about you. And some of the things that you've shared with me, as far as what your lifters are doing, you're, you know, you've shared some stuff about a baseball player that you're working with that I've found just absolutely fascinating and I think that's what I want people to connect with most about you is looking at I am I'm at a place in my life that I'm not necessarily training for high personal achievement. I'm not trying to have, you know, 4% body fat and stand on the stage. I'm not trying to gain mass at a level where I'm, you know, massive and huge. I'm not trying to lift a ton of weight. I'm just trying to be effective, mobile, and, you know, somewhat harder to kill, so to say, you know, quote, unquote. And you know, I I mean, think, go ahead. Yeah, all, all I was going to say about that is, is, and, and the nice thing about hearing you say that is that you know what those other things entail. So, so you, you're, you're not eschewing those things. You've done those things. Sure. And so if, if you're, if your evolution now and your forward movement now, you know, is bringing you to, Hey, I want to be capable, dangerous, multi-talented, that, that's that's a game that we play and that's really the only game we've ever played um we, we we didn't start as something and evolve into something else we started as something and have evolved the process of becoming better at that right and, right. and so I, I i think in a lot of ways we have the advantage of just of just really really hard-boiled consistency and and a lot of the stuff that we've uh, uncovered and developed and, and, you know, even constructed ourselves has been just based on the fact that, that when you look at something long enough, you figure out new ways to optimize it. And then, you know, even, even what you touched on with, with Rob, the baseball player and, and some of our people here, and even my other, I mean, I, I call them my private training clients, but really just, just friends of mine that do high level shit that are excited about being more brutal. It, 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 it's it's funny to me still how really really well thought out details, different accessory strategies translate in effectiveness to almost any application. I mean, I think I think that's if there was if there was an undercurrent of of why we've had success in what we're doing, 
uh, in training people, it's it's that. Well, how do you go about viewing yourself in this in this greater culture? I mean, it's got to be one of those things. Looking from the outside, you know, outside looking in, observing the work that you do, observing the success that you have, observing the different modalities that you employ to get to a similar benefit, if not a better benefit, for the athlete involved. Um, I'm not trying to paint you as this this super coach that is better than anyone else, but you found alternative ways to think, you found found alternative ways to apply, and you've also found alternative ways to connect the individual through their training to their life. You know, that's one of the things that I have found most intriguing about what you're doing, as well as the training that I'm doing right now with uh, Terrence Mitchell, is a lot of the peripheral stuff to walking into a gym or, or walking up to a kettlebell or a mace or a tire or a dumbbell, whatever it may be, and just physically lifting it. It's the mindset on the approach. It's the mindset on the, the exit. It's the life that you live because of the training that you induce. I mean, that to me is one of the most beautiful things about the, the style of training I'm doing now and what you guys have really wrapped into this tightly knit, perfected idea that keeps getting reevaluated, even though it, at face value it's working. Well, I mean, man, man, I mean, we, uh, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're aiming for and, and we've hit some of it and it'll continue to improve forever, but mindset, same as, same as environment are never an afterthought. If, if, if all you're really doing is singularly walking into the gym with no thoughts on specificity or training or composure or anything outside of the gym, then it's essentially just like eating a meal. You know, if, if you eat a lackluster meal, you're not thinking about that meal for the rest of the day. Um, right. but, if, but if you love cooking and you appreciate that type of thing, then it's something that's at least somewhat in your mindset all the time. Um, it can, it, that, that can be, that can be extrapolated into anything. If you're an amazing painter, there's no, there's not a minute in any day where you're not an amazing painter. And right. I've always, I've always had that mindset with, with training because I've always had that mindset with, with everything that's driven me, you know, from, from, you know, hardcore music and, and BMX bike riding since I was just a young kid. Um, I've never been a passive observer in any of that stuff. It, it's, it's a part of me every single minute and, and it always will be. Um, and, and the, the, the phrase and the, the philosophy that I think about that with is a lifelong linear progression. So that, that kind of gets a smirk out of some weightlifters and, and stuff because it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit of wordplay on something that's really simply understood, but it, it also translates into movement. You know, if, if people aren't lifting weights with a particular weightlifting goal in mind, then everything is going to ebb and flow. And, and if your squat, if your squat goes up or down a little bit, but your pull-ups go up and your kettlebell swing goes up and your Turkish get up goes up, then you're still inside that lifelong linear progression. And yeah. with, with the ways that we construct training, the ways that we program, the ways that we accessorize, we can get people to an end goal um, extremely effectively. And I mean, we have, I, it'll be fun today to talk about some of the successes we've had in those realms, but we can also keep training really, really progressive and effective on a, on a permanent basis. I mean, we train, we, tra <laughs> when I say we train everybody, man, we train everybody. We've got, we've got young, strong people that came in with um, a lot of want but very little willpower or technique. Um, 
we, we train much older people that have been, that have been essentially just, you know, hung out to dry and any other training modalities they've done. We train a lot of reforming CrossFitters. We train people that are ready for martial arts because our, our training has a, a very martial mindset um, that transfers really, really well to fighting. And the positional insulation that we do is, is unique in the sense that it translates to all sport because all sport is all encompassing. If, if you're building exclusively a linear pattern or a lateral pattern and you're not addressing all those ticks on the dial that connect them, well, there's going to be progress left on the table and there's going to be success left on the table. So it, it's, it's cool that I guess some of the higher level concepts apply to even people at a very beginner level. And then they continue to apply right on up to man, like, you know, fucking professional baseball player of how many years. And, and we, he and I've been working together for not long now. And, and the, the, the frightening animal that he's turned into is, is so much fun to watch um, right alongside brand new people that we get that are equally fun to watch that have never lifted anything heavy. And, and all of a sudden they realize that, Hey, they're going to be, they're going to be brutal and, and just watching, watching them, learn that watching them start to, to realize that is, is, I mean, man, it's just the most fun. It's the most fun. I want to, I want to play on this point here for a minute because to get to the training of what you guys do, I really want people to take a close examination of who you are. And if you were to just really boil Wolf Brigade down to an ethos that you live by to, that you think about when you're doing the programming, when you're thinking about when you're doing the movement, what is your aim with Wolf Brigade, and what is, you know, what is the the process of developing it? Like, what what took place so that Wolf Brigade came about? If you don't mind. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll give you three little snippets, and then and then I'll get into the deeper one. Is um, minimum effective dose, and then the phrase "turn all stones, light all corners," and. For me, for me, when I started when I started training in fitness in in an actually real way, it was it was because I had been riding BMX my whole life, uh, doing martial arts for a while, and and realized that in order to do any of those things any better than I currently was, I had to be stronger, I had to be more powerful, and I had to move better. B, BMX makes you strong in a really really weird way, um, and some unique ways that have helped me in in some ways, but it is damaging, man. There's <laughs> BMX is not friendly to your body. Um, even, even if it goes well, it's not friendly to your body. And then martial arts for me was, was, you know, started with, with, you know, whatever, not, not ideal martial arts for me. And then when it got into kickboxing and grappling, I started realizing that, yeah, I was, I was capable in the technique department, but I had a lot of, I had a lot of ground to cover strength and conditioning wise. So when, when, when I started doing that stuff better, it was very simply just like rowing and pull downs and push ups and stuff like that. But then 2002, 2003, when I really found my gym in Long Beach, um, we were in early days CrossFit. Uh, it was also called Integrated Martial Arts, and I've I've <laughs> I've I've doted over them so much that anyone who's listened to me talk more than once is sick of it. But I don't think I could have walked into a better facility. Uh, anywhere in the world at that moment. Um, yeah. we, we, we were doing really, really excellent martial arts. Uh, the strength and conditioning 
was was early days CrossFit, but even then, um, our means to an end was being better at fighting and better at riding and better at what we were doing. And, and we realized that with the volume and poor strategy of some of that training, it didn't leave anything in the tank for anything but itself. So the the minimum effective dose strategy and then and then accompanying that some of our accessory strategies came from the fact that that I came into strength and conditioning training already pretty banged up. And so some of the adaptations were to make sure that I could fill the needed requirements, but maybe not necessarily as it was recommended. And a perfect example of that was a barbell front rack. Um, I, I had, I had broken my right wrist twice already at that time. Um, uh, <laughs> can we, can we qualify banged up too? Because you're a BMX rider, you know, as we were talking about before, like somebody's idea yeah. of adversity here banged up <laughs> might be a little different than the reality. So, well, just to, yeah. so, ahead. so banged up. Um, well, I, 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 I I had separated both shoulders. Um, I had torn a meniscus in my left knee. Um, I had broken my right ankle. Uh, at that point, I'm also pretty sure that that the back injury that had led to later surgeries was already present. Um, and like I mentioned, I had broken my right wrist two times. The second time, um, I had the opportunity of a lifetime to go on a, a trip called um, Road Fools. <laughs> there, there was a video company called Props there is a video company called props and they did this really cool video series of they had, they had bought Hank Williams threes fucking tour bus and, <laughs> um, and invited a bunch of people on this trip. And, and we drove ridiculous distances and rode. And when I got asked to go on the trip, my wrist was broken. So I, I took the cast off and put some tape on it and, and went on the trip. And um, ultimately Going on that trip is what led to me being asked to come to California to work at a bike company in 1999. And if I hadn't have done that, none of this would have happened. So, um, uh, circ <laughs> circling back, the 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 right wrist didn't rack a barbell properly. So even back then, that's when I started realizing that okay, you know, kettlebells aren't as heavy as barbells, but they're far less cooperative and, and therefore, in my opinion, far more valuable. And so I started figuring out better ways to get heavier kettlebells um, as a complement or a supplement to barbell stuff. And so at that point, I just looked at it as deepening my toolbox. You know, I, I did not come right. into, I did not come into fitness with preconceived notions. I did not come into fitness with, um, any fixation or fascination with one particular implement. Um, I came into it looking to, like I said, you know, turn every stone we could and, and improve ourselves and others in the best ways that we can. Um, and, and so with that mindset, I, I, I hunted what worked best and improved us best. And then we just detailed it out. And some of the things kettlebell lifting, mace lifting in particular, there were people doing it in really cool ways, but, but very few, if any had dissected it down to the surgery that barbell lifting had gotten or that gymnastics had gotten or anything like that. And I, I didn't really see why that had not happened. So I did it. And now, now we are where we are. And I mean, I, I, I say with both confidence and humility that, that we are the most technical and best kettlebell and mace lifters in the entire world. And 
of course, there's going to be one-offs that lift heavier than some of our people, but pound for pound, uh, numbers for numbers, quality for quality, it, I, I haven't seen anything close. And, and all that really is, is just, is just care for details over a long period of time. I know what works. I know what doesn't. And I'm very fortunate that, that I also have the ability to communicate that to others and then help others communicate that to others still. And that to me is the holy grail, man, because I'm not trying, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to win at training people. I'm not trying to win at any of this stuff. I, I want to help as many people as I can help as many people as I can. And, and that, and that's really just, that's the long and short of it. So um, to your actual question before rambling, before rambling like that, um, yeah. Wolf Brigade came to pass because um, once it got into 2006, 2007, uh, I was having some trouble in California for, for, you know, personal and professional reasons. Um, and we had some, we had some irons in the fire back here in, in Rochester and it started looking like it would make sense for me to come back and both work with them. And, and my fitness concept was different than what we had at CrossFit Long Beach. But the, the trouble was I, I couldn't do anything better than that on the martial arts training side. So it was a really, really hard choice. Um, and I, I and, but anyway, in 2008, I, I came back to Rochester and uh, we started Wolf Brigade in the park. Uh, well, actually at a, at a, at a, at a playground at an elementary school that we eventually got kicked out of in May of 2008. Dude, what got you kicked out? Like, <laughs> so it was fascinating. We, we, we started at a number one school here in, in, in Rochester and then we moved to number 52 school and the administrators and and some some bloated security idiot um it, because we weren't allowed to play on the kids playground and 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 realistically the, the the humor of it all was in that very very early group and and all we really had was the stuff that i had brought from california so i had like i had like a 78 and an 88 pound kettlebell from lifeline i had yeah. uh, i had a 35 and a 44 pound kettlebell i had um uh uh uh, three or four torque athletic maces, torque athletic made maces in the mid two thousands with Jake Shannon. Um, and they, they were these, they were these urethane coated uh, maces. So they, they were, they were weighted appropriately, but they were also really, really bouncy. Yeah. Um, so we would train with them on the playground, jump ropes, parallettes, you know? So the, the group that we had um, was was even then already learning to adapt to, to really, you know, any circumstance available. Um, and it was a group of a handful of teachers, um, one or two cops that, that I had connected with right away because they knew some of my martial arts background. And, and that was, that was appealing to both of us. Um, and then a couple of friends of mine. So it wasn't, it wasn't some group of, of, you know, I don't know, deadbeats or vagabonds or, or disrespectful folks. It was, it was, it was people who were there for deliberate training and, and we were just happy to do it outside. Um, but they, they weren't having it. So eventually we got kicked out of number one school and then we moved to number 52 school and then we got kicked out of 52 school. And then um, towards the end of that year, we got our first tiny little place inside and, and the first tiny little place inside at some point, um, uh, I would love to share that picture with you if you haven't seen it yet. The place was, I mean, man, it was maybe 500 square feet, but not even, not even really. Um, 
and we had a little pull-up bar in there. We had kettlebells and maces and, a, and one rack and, and some parallettes in a box. And um, we had to limit classes to six because, um, I mean, you start trying to swing a mace in a 500-foot room with, with three or four people. You got <laughs> um, and the evil times. Yeah, so it was it was um, it, the 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 start of Wolf Brigade was was exactly what it needed to be, and and it it if it did anything, it really did to me help me prove my concept in wanting to change my direction, I guess, um, because it felt really satisfying. I, I've I've written a little bit about this that it never felt like a demotion. Um, moving to the park out of the trunk of my car, you know, and, and from, right, this, right. from this well-appointed gym in Long Beach that was just this amazing place that, I, that I'll treasure forever. Um, it never felt like a demotion. It just felt different. Um, but not but not in a negative way, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then from there, uh, we knocked a wall out next door because our, our, friends, uh, our friends had a place next door and they were making skateboards in there and they had to move. So we took their space. And that was our first expansion was just knocking the wall out of our tiny space. Um, and then after that, we, we moved off to a, to a standalone facility. And then in 2012, we moved to where we are now. Well, dude, it's a, it's been a, it's, it's been a slow build, but I think like you said before, and like we talked a little bit about before you had the vision for this. I mean, you're a very, you're a very smart person and you're very, very, in touch with what you want to do and the direction that you want to go, how much of this was happening faster than you expected and how much were you just learning on the go? Cause I mean, this is all stuff that I think everybody that's ever looked into opening a gym can admit there's a million mistakes along the way. Did you just prepare a little better or what were the mistakes that you faced that you just kind of had to power through? Well, geez. So, so I think, if I could, if I could tout anything to never really having philosophical stumbling blocks, it's the fact that I've also always looked at strength and conditioning training like a martial art. And when I was taught martial arts, and then as I was learning martial arts, and then as I was fortunate enough to teach martial arts to others, you don't skip steps in favor of other steps. Um, right. You know, something I've said often is, is unless you're a legendary asshole, you don't spar on your first day of martial arts class. So, so um, we, we've, we've always gone in kind of a systematic way of making sure people learn what they're about to apply. And, you know, for some that floats their boat, for some it doesn't. Some people don't want to learn. They just want to do. But then the problem is one leads to the other, but the other never leads back. Right. And if, if, if you're just applying and you're not learning what you're applying, there's going to be a pretty low ceiling on that. Um, so I, if I could give credit to one thing for, for never really getting stuck philosophically, it's the fact that, that we've always erred on the side of specificity and detail um, and uh, that minimum effective dose concept. Fr from, from a brand development standpoint, um, I mean, we've hit, we've hit every hurdle that, that I mean, we, we, we could spend the next two hours talking about uh, both people uh, and things and circumstances that have tried to squash us. Um, yeah. And, and um, something that I, I don't really feel any pride about this, but it is certainly fascinating is that we have had some of the highest level detractors that fitness has ever seen. Um, and uh, at some level, I had to try and put that in the framework of that means we're rattling the right cages. Sure. 
Um, but it's tough after a while because I had a lot of that in BMX too. When I moved to California, um, I, I didn't go out there to fuck around. I went out there to do the greatest possible job I could and to bring as many people as I could with me. And, and that, that also rattled some of the wrong cages and, and, and led to a lot of negativity. And, and man, if, if, <laughs> if, um, it, I have been maligned in public and even in print, by almost everyone that I've ever idolized in BMX and fitness. Sure. And that's kind of fucked up. But at the same time, um, it, it teaches you that eventually um, you, you just kind of have to put respect in its proper box. I can respect a thing someone did without currently respecting the person that they are. Right. And, um, so that, so that, that's, that's kind of how I've tried to positively frame some of the setbacks we've had. Well, how do you, what do you take, what is your take on why that's happened? I mean, obviously, like I said, you know, I've taken to this like a sponge to water as far as just really examining some of the videos that you put out and the thoughtfulness and the way that you address movement, um, your writing as far as like war of attrition, you know, it just, it goes such a, a long distance further than I think a lot of people go. It's like people go to the point of selling or people go to the point of recruitment but then it's like once you're in, it's kind of like, yeah, it just fizzles out. To me, it seems like the further that you get involved into Wolf Brigade as a training system, as, you know, an act of, of reading your work and reading the mindset and reading the thoughtfulness that goes into it, the layers get deeper the longer that you're in there. You know, if you become entrenched in the culture itself rather than just like, okay, we've got your money, we've got this, you're in the door. And one of the things that you're big on is price versus value or price versus cost. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people are missing. They're just looking to to just get the investment and not necessarily give the return on investment as far as training goes. I, I hear it all the time. I'm sure that I've been guilty of it at times too, where you just you trust your system so much that it's like, well, the system will take care of the ends, and that's not always true. It's it's constant recalibration and constant assessment because, as you said, you have those detractors. You have those people that are, you know, offended by the fact that you're speaking new language into their culture. So how do you, like, how do you view yourself as, as like a player in that game? <laughs> why, why are you ruffling so many feathers? You yeah. Know, counter, counter to the idea of, well, if, if everybody says you're the asshole, maybe you're the asshole kind of thing. How do you, how do you stand on your two feet knowing that you're a little bit better than that assumption about who you are? Jeez. Um, well, what, <laughs> I've always believed that, <laughs> um, and it's been it's been proven right it, more times than I would like. The, <laughs> fuck the the idea the idea of me <laughs> the idea of me is very different uh, than the reality of me for certain people. Sure, and, and um, certain people like the romantic. Uh, idea that someone is out there that doesn't truly care about money and that really truly just cares about progress and process and people. And, um, and, and I don't say it to be some type of like, like, you know, modern counterculture, whatever. I I just truly don't give a fuck about money. And, and I, I, and I truly don't give a fuck about notoriety. And, 
that that's that's not that I don't enjoy both of those things, and it's not that I don't understand the need for both of those things. It's just that, man, when 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 you <laughs> when you're infected as young as I was with counterculture as real and heavy and profound and important as as bike riding and hardcore music and and things like that, it, it, it to me it's like I I. I, I couldn't shake those notions if I had to, you know, and, 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 and I, I, if you're hearing hesitation in my voice, it's not hesitating in conveying the point it's hesitation because I'm, I'm very self-critical of that. I, I want to provide more for people that I care about than I sometimes can because I've insisted on this, you know, quality over quantity path. And, sure. and um, it, it's not a romantic path. I mean, but in the same way that, you know, when I was a kid, we would book shows, we knew we were going to lose money and we would go on trips where we knew we were going to lose money. And, and we would we would put together, you know, events or, or contests or shows where we knew there was going to be fights. We knew there was going to be trouble. And we did it anyway is because certain things are the point and certain things just aren't. Right. And 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 I believe that that a lot of the detractors and a lot of the negativity we've had, especially with some higher level folks, is that many many forget how they were because they're just far too caught up in how they now are yeah and what when you're so caught up in how you now are but you still romanticize where you came from and maybe your philosophies when you were younger and a little fresher minded um people that are still on that path i believe make make them feel insecure about themselves and and i believe make them feel like maybe um, they sold, maybe they sold some stocks they shouldn't have sold. And, um, additionally, I also don't think that certain people like feeling fallible to someone that doesn't come across, uh, like, like they would like. Sure. And, and there's nothing I can do about that except for say, uh, grow up and understand that, that sometimes influence comes from places you don't expect. And if you can't find it there, well, you're never really going to reach your potential. Does it empower you to kind of feel like, and, and I, I mean this in a respectful way, does it empower you to feel like you're in a fight for, for truth at some level? Man, what a fucking phenomenal question. Um, well, I mean, I guess, I guess sure. However, I also don't, I also don't romanticize that. Like I've, <laughs> you know, it, I've been in a lot of fights. I've, I've been in a lot of, of, you know, metaphorical fights and physical fights. And, and I know I can do it and it doesn't scare me and it doesn't, doesn't freak me out in any way. If, if people want to argue verbally, if people want to argue in, 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 in a narrative or a writing, uh, if people want to fist fight, I, I will take any of those and, and, and do, do my absolute best, but I don't romanticize any of it because it's not my, it's not my purpose in it. We're, we're, if, if we, if we, convey constructive criticism or if we convey harsh words towards something or someone um there is purpose behind that uh we, we are not trouble starters we, we we don't go out looking for trouble but at the same time certain things are just right and certain things are just wrong sure. and so i i i i don't necessarily know if i'm driven by the fight um but i'm driven by i'm driven by making it through the fight 
Right. And, and that's, that's, I believe that really kind of extrapolates into like e- even a lot of the ways I've dealt with, with injuries and, and setbacks in, in a personal way. And, and any professional setback that we've had with Wolf Brigade, um, anytime and, 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 and I'm not saying that there, there has been times where this has been in play anytime that I've really just felt like, um, I wanted to roll it up and, 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 and let it go and, and do something else. As soon as I actually start thinking about that with a clear head, it, it just tells me how quickly, how unrealistic a possibility it is because, um, man, that, that, that boat has left the fucking dock. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I, you know, I just see you as this person who has the capability to not only convey a message, but to convey a reply. Um, I, I very much appreciated the, the articulations and, and texts that you've had with me and things like that. And that's what I was curious of, and, and maybe I am romanticizing it. Maybe I'm romanticizing the role that I think you play in the fitness industry, not individually, you know, as Wolf Brigade, yes, but there are there are fantastic gyms that need more recognition, that need more understanding, that need more coaches to go and visit and be like, teach me. And I think you certainly fall into that category with Wolf Brigade. So that's the kind of the fight I'm talking about is the idea that you don't have to be what everybody else has always been. It's the idea that maybe you can find something new, something different, something uh, obtuse that brings the the pieces to the whole. Um, when 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 fra- when phrased like that, yes, I one hundred percent concur and agree. And that that seems like a, a good time to to make this point. In that one thing I've tried to convey, but it's hard to say this without really just sounding strange is we're, we're not simply black sheep that should be paid attention to because we're different. Right. We're, we're a little bit different, but in doing so we have an extremely provable, really pretty irreplicable process that can, that can quite literally improve anyone walking the fucking earth. And, and I, and I'm not saying like, any base level fitness person. I'm saying if you, if you give me the highest level athlete in any sport, I will improve them in some way that they have not yet found based on the strategies that we've been practicing and applying for 15 years. If you give me a person that comes with zero fitness experience, uh, overweight, mechanical deficiencies, mindset troubles, previous addictions, all that kind of stuff. We are going to help them in the same exact surgical type of ways. And I take a lot of pride in that, you know, polishing the 99% is very satisfying and fun, but it's, but it's far, far easier than rebuilding someone that's down in the single digits, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, that was kind of my appeal too. And I mean, I feel like the, the tone of the podcast is going the direction that I wanted it and that we're just, we got the, the meat and potatoes out of the way, and now it's just you and I talking again. I don't <laughs> know if you, felt, if you didn't feel any of that. But okay. not to say that it wasn't important, but I also just feel like, you know, the the bourbon's been poured at this point. You know what I mean? We're, we're into the, the good stuff now. So, but well, I, I respect I, uh, that. And, and just, just, a, just a quick thank you for that is, is a, a lot of times some of, the, some of the stuff that I think is the most important gets – gets lost in some of these conversations simply by me not articulating it the way I could, because I, I, 
I, I still and will never feel comfortable sitting in front of my computer or my phone talking to myself. Um, sure, sure. I, 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 I respect and enjoy the people that we're able to reach, but I have, I, <laughs> that is not my natural tendency. <laughs> well, do you feel better? Do you feel better since this podcast is, you know, we talked about doing the live and so on and then doing this one where it's going to be released. Uh, it, I'm actually excited enough to release it and edit it tonight, um, but I, I might try to just hold my word to, to get it out on Thursday. But as far as like, can't wait. How, how do you feel um, when you approach these things? Do you feel like it's just devastation at some level waiting to happen because you're going to say the wrong thing or you're going to not convey your thoughts? Or is it like, are you going to be critical of yourself? I guess is what I'm curious of. And I'm asking very selfishly because when I go on podcasts, I'm always like, you idiot. Why did you talk about this? Or why did you say this on there? Or something like that. Or why didn't you get this whole thought out? Do you feel any of that being on this one? Man, no. Well, today, today, no, because we've, we've, we've framed this well enough. There's always a level of anxiousness when you're conveying something you really care about. And if, and if if there isn't, then I don't really know that you care about it all that much. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but for me with, with the training philosophy side of things and, and the, the background side of things, there's, there's a simplicity to it because it's, it's just reiterating facts. You know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not having to cultivate or create anything. I'm just conveying what has exactly happened. And, and I, I, I like to be able to fall back on that. And I believe, you know, moving forward in the conversation, we'll have editorializing, but, but some stuff is, is I, I really believe best served with, with hard consistency. And if, if people that listen to me talk to someone years ago is listening to us talk today, tomorrow, um, and they hear a totally different story. Well, what the fuck, man, the, the story didn't change. You know, the, the fish didn't get bigger in the last four years. The fish was the fish. And so I think, I think in a lot of those logistical type of ways, formulaic type of ways, I, I, I enjoy sharing it with different perspectives because every time I talk to someone, we've grown in perspective and their approach to it is different. And like today, it's great. Like you've asked me, (laughs) even already, you've asked me two or three questions that were framed totally differently than anything anyone's ever asked me. Um, so, so yeah, of course there's always anxiousness to it, but more than anything, it's, it's, I'm great. I'm grateful to be able to reach people that will be able to help and hopefully um, also land the fact that we are not trying to win at training. We are trying to improve people. And the fact that we don't have a stuck in the mud mindset um, turns some people off, but, but others turn right on and then they never leave, you know? Yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't subscribe to any tradition that's not mirrored by measurable current function. And that, that bums people out because sometimes tradition is all people have, but it's because they don't know how to think outside the box and they don't want to progress anymore. Um, for, for us, as soon as we find something that works, I'm looking for a hole in the boat as to why it doesn't work. And it, it isn't until, it isn't until I'm pretty sure that I can't find one that we turn it loose. Um, and, and that's why I tinker so much on myself in the gym. And that's why I tinker so much on others in the gym. And, and, you know, it's, it's proving the process is a lot different than selling the process and, and we're process provers. We're not salespeople. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that I've gathered from, I mean, obviously talking to you privately and whatnot, but 
for myself too, I think the transition that I've I've really tried to to look at from the outside looking in. You know, when COVID started, um, I, I saw it as an opportunity for myself to stop coaching. Uh, I, I'd really only retained a couple of clients that kind of like you are close friends, people that have very specific goals or you know needs that I feel like I can address in a way that I'm, I'm very comfortable with, you know. But I didn't like being just the strong guy. I didn't like being the guy that just coached powerlifting. I missed some of the hands-on effect of, of being in face-to-face with a client. So I just said, you know what, I need to step away from this because the, the product that I'm putting out, it, it kind of like, yeah, it satisfies what this person is looking for. And it satisfies the progression. It satisfies, you know, that they, they did their journal entries or whatever it is. It satisfied that. But it's not satisfying me because it's not what I'm in tune with. It's not what I'm excited about. And that's not to say that I'm not excited about strength or yeah. powerlifting for the right person. It was that it was all going in one direction when me as a person was moving in a different direction. I was thinking in different modalities. I was thinking about different accessory type work, different like off-season patterns and so on and so forth. And it just wasn't. I'm the kind of person that only has so much bandwidth. I mean, I think that's true of everyone, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get I get very randomized, and it was hard for me to just focus on one thing anymore because I was doing so many things. You know, I'm hiking, swimming, I'm hitting things with a hammer, I'm doing pull-ups and kettlebells and all these other things. And before, it was like you squat, you bench, you deadlift. You do these accessories, and that's yeah. what you get better at. I mean, I was, I was dogmatic in that so much as that, it wasn't exactly the same as everybody else was doing, but the players were the same. You know, the pieces were the same. And that's well, what the, I think I'm going to go ahead. Uh, all, I was gonna, all I was going to say to that was one, one thing that we have found and that you, that you have clearly found now that I think is a, is, a, is a real step forward for an awful lot of people is that addressed properly and specifically all those other things you mentioned – can actually add to the quality and and even the upper level volumes of the barbell stuff. And, sure, sure. and I mean, that's, that's, that's something that we have received some acrimony about. And, and really that's just old timey, that's old timey notions that people can't let die. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if the, if the accessories are built correctly, they will improve all that surrounds them. And I mean, that has to be what you're feeling now is, yeah. is that, Yes. That, yeah. If, if you had to go do those lifts that, that you have, you know, high level professional proficiency in, those are going to be there for you. And the better you build all those other systems, the better they're going to look and feel. I think that's one of the problems that, you know, when I self-analyze, like most people, I would guess, but I know that I'm, you know, I can look back over my old training notes and I can remember the smells in the gym, the, the chalk, the way that it felt on my hands. I get very visceral with the, with those feelings and those connections. So I look back on times in my training journal and I see the things now that I would have applied so much differently. But one of the things that you're big about, I, I, I don't want to say that you are big about, but one of the sentiments that I gather through a lot of your, your writing and your sharing is that you would appreciate, you would tell me to appreciate those lessons, not to just dismiss the fact that it, it's not the best thing then but i've learned that it wasn't the best thing and i found something else is that one of the foundational philosophies of what you're about 
Well, yeah. And I mean, the, the way that I kind of joke with myself about it and I, I, to people that I know have a decent sense of humor, I say, just because we can doesn't mean we should, but, right. some, but sometimes you should. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's exactly right. So like I'll, I'll draw pe- pe- people occasionally will ask, you know, what people use the word motivation, but I don't necessarily think it's that, but what, whatever motivation or, um, demons or whatever you draw on to, to stay focused in training or to stay focused through injury or something like that. And it's exactly what you mentioned. You're, 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 you're tying yourself back to something that was important to you that, that felt something different, smelled something different. Uh, you know, your, your mind felt different, your body felt different. And, and I'm able to draw that out when I need it now. And that is so, that's just so valuable, man. It's, 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 it's what our experiences do for us. Even if they're negative, it's the only positive thing they still contribute. Is that now we can use them for influence? It, it's it's exact. It's exactly right. I mean, the only I think the I think the only time that that is purely negative for someone is if they're not on a current forward path. Yeah, um, just keep cycling back through doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, and 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 running back to what to what you were saying about. Um, you know, pausing a little bit of the, the coaching that you were doing and, and things like that, because your underlying philosophy was, was changing direction a little bit. I can mention my time um, as strength and conditioning coach at Nazareth college here in, in Rochester. Um, I, I had, I had this notion even in long beach that, well, because, you know, some of the guys that I really like to look at, um, you know, Jim Steele, Jim Wendler, guys like yeah. that, they, that were, they were, they were really, really involved in, in sports coaching, you know, college, high school. And I, I did not ever have that because I was not, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a decent conventional athlete. I, I played lacrosse really well when I was a kid, but then as soon as I got into BMX bike riding, that was over. Um, but I, I, I wanted to get that feather in my cap because I felt that it was really important. I wanted to be as good as I could be. And I thought that that teaching in that realm would help me get there. So um, through a good friend here, I got connected with Nazareth and ended up uh, being there for a bit. And I actually learned a ton, but it was the exact opposite learning that I thought that I would find. And um what it really did was make me really, really glad for our detail oriented process and extremely grateful for people who actually wanted to be there and be fully engaged and actually cared about progress. Um, because those college kids had all the natural talent in the world, but as a division three school, most of them were not going to go on and get paid to play. Most of them were not going to go on to like do anything really, really notable with sports and, and their attitude in every element, showed that yeah and well, I, I think do you think that our culture kind of breeds that mentality though i mean it's the best at all costs or nothing and then you have these kids who are like they're holding on to hope or they're holding on to the love of the game but they know there's nothing more so it's kind of like they check out of it because it's like well you know these are this is the last song and dance you know i'm just going to get through it rather than the kid that's at the d1 level or maybe even the high d2 level where they're still fighting for that next level, you know, that ascension point where they, they actualize everything they've worked for for 20 years. I mean, it is an interest, an interesting conversation to have of what drives a 20-year-old kid 
when there's no next level? Like how do you know everything we say to everyone is you need to be working towards something, you need to be getting better. Some of these kids, uh, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, of course. Well, no, you're 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 a hundred percent right, and and the, the the notion of being a lifelong physical learner was not in play with them, and I and I put it there, and I got it there with some. Uh, but most, it was just, it was just big fish in a small pool um, syndrome. You know, they, they were, they, they were playing the division three thing, you know, they had the good looking haircut and they probably had the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever. And, and, and that was really the end of the story. So someone like me who was saying, okay, we're going to do this, this particular way, this particular amount for this particular reason, um, look, looking, you know, also looking the way that I look and, and, and just presenting the way that I present, which is very professionally, but, but also very, very different. Um, man, most of them couldn't have given a single fuck about any of that, you know? And, uh, and, and so to me, that was, that was a, that was a really, that was a cool experience. Definitely not the one I was expecting though. Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I think that's, again, that can be one of those situations where, you learn more because it wasn't, you know, if you, if you had just gone there and it had been everything you hoped for, well, that might've been like enjoyable, might've been easier to stick around four or five more years and do it. Would you have really gained anything from it? And that calls, you know, I want to ask you another question now, like, are you at a point where you're you know, quote unquote comfortable with where Wolf Brigade is? Or are you still like relentlessly seeking more and, what is more for Wolf Brigade? What is that? Is it more people? Is it more connection? Is it more people that are that are like further invested? Or Jeez. you know, how do you define growth? How do you define more for the concept of Wolf Brigade? <laughs> Again, just a, just a great a great question. So, um, <laughs> more to us is not simply more, and in 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 no way shape or form am I comfortable? Um, I, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg because if I'm still finding stuff and learning stuff in every single class I teach and being able to assess different things in myself and, and optimize different positions and improve different deficiencies, then I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere close yet. And, and man, people should be fucking scared because if I ever get there, they're not going to know what happened. <laughs> and I and, believe it. And, and I and I can also say that for us, just dissemination of information is is the more, and yeah. it, we're getting there. You know, it, it's it's we've we've had we've had places in in Northern California and also Toronto applying um, uh, the same version of our program that we're applying here in Rochester. That's a gigantic thing for us um, because it, it's not plug and play. You know, you you've seen it. You've been looking through it now and, and reading the narratives and yeah, things like yeah. that. There's, there's learning to teach, there's learning to learn, there's proof of performance. And, and again, it, it circles back to the fact that it's, it's applied and constructed a lot like a martial art in the sense that there's no way you're going to let a base level white belt teach a high level grappling class. It's just, it's just, it's just philosophically and physically irresponsible. So, so our expansion is, is finding people that are consistently working through the details and, you know, proving them on themselves, proving them on others, showing them to us, you know, interacting with us in these positive ways. And then ultimately we, we start, you know, kind of disseminating the process by, by having it applied in other places. 
um, like our, our place in Toronto uh, at Atlantic Avenue Athletic Club. I've had uh, some engagement with them through their Matt, Instagram Matt, page. Matt, Matt, uh, Matt that runs that, I, I, it, it, it would be hard to say uh, enough complimentary things about that person. And, and, and part, part of which is the fact that his gym opened last October in Toronto so essentially had less than six months under its belt before all this nonsense started and still rose to the occasion and exceeded past it during all this nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, man, to me, that, to me, that's a testament to the process in, in a way that very little else could be. Um, and, and How do it's, you, well, I want to ask you this and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's no, something no. that I keep coming back to. It's, it's, I want to pay the compliment right now or I'll forget it, but I also, generate a question off of the compliment i told you i had no less than 25 people from the wolf brigade community reach out and just say thank you for talking to greg thank you for asking his ideas on things thank you i mean it was just it was unexpected based on things that i've done before and i have no problem saying that because i think it should be said um whatever whatever you are doing and i know it now what sense of leadership you have, which is very selfless. Like every single thing, that's the thing that I keep finding most impressive is that there's no ego in, in what I see you sharing and talking about and expressing. It's very selfless and like seeking to to elevate others. And those type of people are the ones that reached out. I looked at their pages. I, I you know, some of them had blocked pages, but some of them had um, open pages. And I was able to see the kind of people they were. And you roll back enough, and I mean, we talked about this before. There are parts of our lives, and there are things in our lives that we don't have to divulge. We don't we don't talk about full spectrum. We just share what we share. But you get a you get a tone, right? And when I look through some of these people, man, you're cultivating a, a group of people that you know, one just to call counterculture something different than the Gap ad. You know, let's just say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you've got, but you've got, like you said, police officers, firefighters, school teachers, very ordinary people that are joining and following and gaining and progressing. Like, how are you able to continuously cultivate this curious person who has unique capabilities, mindset, outlook, and also a willingness to give back? Like, where does this come from? Because this is the fail point that I see in 99% of the gyms around the world is that. All they're trying to do is reach people that want to pay a membership. They're not trying to reach people that want to necessarily change. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah physical yeah. change. They want to do a diet or they want to do a program. I think that you're building something deeper than that through change. Well, it's, 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 it's cultural, man. And, and, and the, and the, the reality is, you know, and I'm, I'm using air quotes right now and I want to punch myself because no one can see me, but the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the air quotes, normal people, um, are also, some of them are so rabid and so, so, you know, ferocious because whether they know it or not, they're progressing at a world-class level in fitness. And, and that's, that's something that, whether that was their goal or not, the, the pride and and satisfaction and, and kind of even the loyalty that that creates is really something unique. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, the, the people that reached out to you, I don't even know who they were, but I'm positive that that they are just the same, you know, <laughs> pretty incredible, uh, humble and, and also just just rabid people that we that we communicate with on a regular basis. 
because we're, we're my, my, my ego extends to the fact that at all costs, and, and this is both in positive and negative for sure, <laughs> um, as it has been with you, at, at all costs, I, f- I refuse to not be as best as I can be. And uh, so my, my ego is extremely self-driven in the sense that if I'm training with someone, if I'm training um, by myself, if I'm training in a dark, unlit room with one tool, uh, I perform every rep of everything I'm doing as if it's costing me money because it's costing me something. And, sure. and the, the, the better I get at it, the better I can help others get at it. Um, and, and, and realistically, a lot of this stuff circles back to, to, well, probably some stories that you'll read this week and may have already read, but, um, in some pretty significant ways, I let people down when I was young and, um, uh, a case could be made that that is not the case. Um, but that doesn't matter because that's how I feel. And, um, and some of this stuff was heavy and some of it stuck with me. And, and so just like we talked about before, sometimes the negative stuff is, is really only truly negative if you don't let it push you forward. And so to me, um, you know, I just won't let anyone down again. And, and that's really, that's really the fucking long and short of it. Well, I think it's a, it's a rarity. And I mean, this whole, this whole thing sounds like I'm just sitting here, praise, 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 praise. But it's, it's a very, very new feeling to me to see someone so invested in the game this far in still so excited about it. I mean, every single time that we have taught training, you are, you just like the whole tone of the conversation changes, the whole outlook, you know, that we're, we're having in the conversation just accelerates. And that's what I love. I mean, how, how excited are you by training at this point? How excited are you by your work? And do you feel like this is, bigger than work do you feel like this is a movement within yourself that is going to become something more important than just training in the coming years well i mean it's it it, it's a great point and it's already a movement and it's been one for a long time and it's not just in me um i mean i i I think about this thing in a lot of ways uh like a brand or a band um when, when it comes to the fact that although people may not like every single record that we make or wear every single shirt that we make, something is going to resonate. And that's really in this day and age, all you can expect. Some people are going to jump in whole hog, both feet. But a lot of people that follow us and, and that enjoy and that, that interact with us and, and that write me really great messages are, you know, action sports people that have never thought about fitness and now actually have. Um, it, it, it's hardcore kids that have always you know, stayed away from gym type stuff because they've just looked at it as, as like dumb jock shit. And now they're realizing that, that, that dumb jock shit when handled and articulated properly can actually help them enjoy and improve all the things they love in their life. You know, it, it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's crossing a lot of cool lines in a lot of ways that I, I had a lot of aspirations towards and, um, of course, you know, in, in, in 2000, whatever, I didn't know how long it would take to get there or if it would exactly get there, but I knew who I wanted to influence and I knew who I knew how I'd be able to. And so it really just took, I mean, amidst, (laughs) amidst, um, quite, quite a hell of a lot of, of, of stumbles and roadblocks and, and at least speed bumps. Um, we just had to stay consistent with it and, and at, at all, at all costs, um, 
I've, I've always just had to say, okay, you know, if, uh, if, if it's going to stop me, it's going to have to kill me and that's it. Yeah. Well, and I think that we talked about this too, the willingness that you are to share, you know, through your writing experiences in your life that the thing that I keep seeing when I go throughout them is there's, there's, there's conflict internally as well as, you know, the reflection upon choices that could have been made, decisions that should have been made or things that should have been said possibly. And I think what that does is, is like you, you mentioned before, it just starts to build a, a truth of who you actually are. You know, you can't share as much information as you have shared and not find that you're a deep, critical thinking person who, who like you also said earlier, always tries to err on the side of good always tries to do the right thing, always tries to do it the best that you possibly can, but you're not perfect. And, no. I, think that, and I think that that opens the door to so many people because when you look at a, and I'm just going to air quote myself, you look at somebody like some of these big influencer fitness personality types, you know, the super white teeth, as you mentioned, the perfect haircut, 4% body fat, chiseled abs, airbrushed abs, makeup on their face, whatever it is, and you just kind of spit in that face of it, and not in a disrespectful way, but it's like you just you just bear all, and you let people pick up what they want, and you don't apologize for it. You don't say, look at this, look at this. How did someone who is somewhat self-described as, as a bit different or an outsider, how do you find the confidence to do that? Because that's one of the areas that I told you. I will type so many things like close to the chest feelings, emotions, and I just don't want to deal with the person that's like, oh, yeah, but, or did you think about it this way? Brother, if I put something down, I've thought about it 10,000 different ways. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. for you to articulate these stories and these feelings and these emotions in such a way, like I told you, when I read them, I was thankful that I had read them because it alleviated some of that searching within myself to, to get out what I was needing to say. And, you know, the stories are different. The characters are different. Yeah. But the emotions were the, the same. The feelings of like, man, I should have done something at this point. Um, you know, I have a Mark Christie. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a Mark Christie. Um, and, and it's like it's not a good – and that's, that's a reference to the story of the trump card um, that he shared in his book, War of Attrition. But nevertheless, he shared it. Yeah. You know, how much, how much of a, a healing yeah. process is that? How much of an embarrassing process is that? Like, what is your, what is your system for getting this out? Because I know there are people like me, there are people that are like you that want to say these things and they just haven't found the way to get paper to, and pen to meet. Man. Uh, well, one, one thing I'll say, um, that actually kind of just caught me off guard is that, um, like, I don't know, there, there, there'll need to be a little more backstory on this, but I haven't heard anyone say that name uh, in a really long time too. And that, that does something to me that would be hard to describe. Um, and, and I, I have, a, I have a sub story for, for that Trump card that I'm, I might, I might, I'm, I'd be of course willing to share with you privately, but I'm not sure about now on sure. here. Um, but uh, one thing I can say bringing back to the beginning of your last point was, was the uniform. Um, anyone can wear the uniform, but fire will burn it off of anyone. And so I don't, I don't believe anyone that's still got the uniform on. Um, 
because if they haven't been through the fire, then there's no way I can trust them. Yeah. And, and that really, that kind of whittles down a lot of people and a lot of concepts. And so moving forward, knowing that a lot of the ways that we think, a lot of the things that, that have happened to me, the things I've been through have been positive and negative in some pretty unconventional ways. And they've, they've left me with a lot of questioning in my mind that, that's, that's pretty prevalent all the time. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm driven by discontent. I'm just not limited by it. And it, it, explain, if you don't care, explain that for a second. Driven by discontent. Well, I'm never, I'm never like, okay, everything's cool. Yeah. You know, and, and okay, if I'm sitting at home and, and I'm relaxing a little bit, maybe I'm like that. But in reality, from a business standpoint, from a professional standpoint, I'm, I'm doing my absolute best to even when I'm frustrated or I'm, I'm tied down or I'm injured or something, I'm never resting on laurels, even when I think maybe there's a chance I could. And sure. so, so that, that's essentially what that means. I, 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 I look at things with a very critical eye in a, in a discontentful way, but I never let that spite turn me into some sort of naysayer that just sits around and complains about it. If, 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 if I have a complaint, I want to make a suggestion for improvement. Sure. And, and I think that's, I mean, may, maybe that's part of, part of what you were asking um, in the first part of that statement, the, the second part, geez, man. So my, my dad, when I was a kid, um, would use the term contemporaneous notes. And um, I didn't really know what it meant forever, except that he would always tell me that if something happened that you, that you wanted to remember, uh, even if you write it down, just really kind of, you know, shorthand, at least then you have it. And so since I was a kid, I started writing down little, little contemporaneous notes. And, and part of them is part of them is, well, most of them is how I was able to accurately and without making them into fishtails, um, recount stories that had happened many, many years ago. M many of the stories, especially in war of attrition happened long ago and have, have been retooled and shined up, you know, for, for publication in the book, but, none of them have been editorialized since then. They're just that I had some documentation. And then as my writing improved over the years, and as I practiced and got better at it, I was able to put it into much more cohesive total piece. Um, and as far as, as far as the cost uh, that I pay for that, uh, there, there's some level of catharsis to sharing some of those stories. Um, but the ones that are the most serious and impactful to me, um, I have, <laughs> I have not yet found that with, and, and that's, that's a little frustrating. There's, there's some of that stuff that still hangs over my head in ways that I'm, I'm definitely not pleased about. And, and I'm, I'm real self-critical about from, from an embarrassment standpoint. Um, I, I, <laughs> I am not a self-confident person by nature. I, I, I know a lot of things when I was a kid that, that happened, had, had, had a lot in that had a lot uh, played a large hand in that. Um, so realistically, no one is ever going to be harder on me than I am on myself. And, and when it comes to um, people saying negative things about either the intellectual content that we, that we produce or the physical content that we produce or any personal writing that I do, um, my response is, is usually nothing. Um, if it has to be something, 
it's as concise as it can be. And if they chose to poke the beehive, then we pull it privately. And then I, I tell them exactly where they should be. And then if they don't get there, then I offer to meet them anywhere they would like, anytime they would like to meet there. Um, <laughs> because the reality is um, I, I'm, I'm not some false bravado type of tough guy. I don't want to argue with people. But the other thing is, you know, they're not going to hurt me in ways that I haven't been hurt. Right. Um, either physically or psychologically or anything like that. I'm, I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not afraid of pain. I'm not afraid of, of animosity. You know, I've been, I've been hated by the best, you know, I, I've been, I've been injured to the point where I, I would fall down and blackout putting my shoes on, you know? Um, and then I've also been at points in my physical career where Jesus Christ, I know you can relate to this. You feel like a superhuman. You feel like you could do anything you want. Yep. And, and ha- having to try and walk that, that tightrope, knowing that that was a capacity that I had and, and you know, a, a skill set that I still have, but that my current physical state doesn't allow, man, nothing is going to chop your ego down further than that. There's not a thing anybody could say to me that's going to fuck me up worse than falling down, putting my shoes on, knowing that years prior I could be wrestling with high level grapplers and holding my own, like, like nobody's business, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I hope, I hope that, I hope that answered what you were trying to ask. And it, it was a great question. I hope I didn't divert too much. No, no, it was perfect. And like I said, I'm the, I'm the king of 15 layer questions, you know, because I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not a good interviewer. I'm just a very curious person. And luckily I'm so curious that I can ask a million questions laced into one, but I can remember, um, I I remember a feeling myself when I had what you're describing right there of, you know, the feeling of falling when you, you know, were putting on your shoe or you mentioned going to uh, Salt Lake and falling twice and, uh, you know, in an airport. (laughs) The day that I realized that life for better, for worse kind of changed for me was, I'd spent seven days in a hospital after my injury. Um, it was one of the worst experiences you could ever imagine from healthcare in the United States of America. But nevertheless, that's a different story for a different day and maybe off air. But um, seven days in L.A. County Hospital, and I was forgotten about for two of them. They put me in a child ventilation unit, um, a breathing unit, and forgot that I had been up there. So Jesus, man. I, I was getting checked on. Like, I was like, can I see my doctor? Can I see the nurses that, you know, were supposed to be working with me or whatever? And they're like, yeah, we'll get there. Didn't come around for two days. And at this point, I was unshowered and uncleaned from my surgery um, for about five days. Jesus. So I just, yeah. So I can remember this nurse coming in and she was like, we have to bathe you. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. But at this point, I was embarrassed. You know, because I could I could smell myself being in this bed for five days, and you know I'd kind of I'd kind of bathe with a little rag or whatever the wash rag, but it's not the same. So, you know, here I am on these here I am on these both legs surgically repaired, um, nerve block. Well, I don't think I had the nerve block at this point, but I was on some pretty heavy pain meds, and I'm leaning over this um, this walker, and this total stranger who I who I knew didn't give two shits about me because I hadn't seen her since three days prior. Um, he's just like, you know, bend over, spread them and like starts to clean me and wash me and this kind of stuff. And it was just like, 
three days ago, four days ago, I had 750 pounds on my back. And I'm, and I'm literally like sitting here trembling, holding this walker as she was washing me. And it was like, there was a part of me that was so glad that she was doing it. And it was also just like complete, it wasn't even vulnerability because vulnerability to me is like where you, you, you accept this and you're like, okay, we're equal partners in this, you know, arrangement right now. Even if we don't want to be, we are. There was nothing like that. It was just like pure humiliation and embarrassment, like questioning everything. That was that was one of the lowest points of my life up until that point. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm having a little trouble keeping it together after that because I, I can, I can put myself right where you were for 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 more or less. Um, yeah. And and for me, it was it was similar in the sense that after the, I've had two spinal, two spinal surgeries, one didn't really work. And then the second one was a spinal fusion. Um, and the fusion itself went okay. But the, the, the really, really arrogant doctor that thought he was better than anyone in the world touched some nerves in my leg and put my left big toe to sleep. Yep. And so I found out after the, surgery as I'm laying in the bed that my left big toe didn't work. And I immediately thought, well, uh, as a strength athlete and a kickboxer, uh, I'm fucked. I'm dead, you know? Right. And although, you know, it's, it's okay. It's your left big toe. It's a small thing. It's also not. And I, I, I know enough about, I knew enough then even to know that that was not a small thing. And I just remember feeling like, you know, at, at least similar to that in the sense that, okay, if you move the needle back a couple of months, X, Y, Z was happening. Well, you move the needle up a couple of days and I can't feel my left foot and I couldn't walk out of the hospital right now if I needed to for money, you know? Right. And, and I mean, man, I, I, <laughs> I, I hate that story that you just told, but I also, I also am glad I know it because I, I respect that at a level that very few ever could. Well, you know, it was, it was also the breakings of, I don't need anybody else. You know, and that, that was a big, it was a, it was a physical blow. I mean, as far as like the physical movement of letting somebody else wash me and, and physically needing them to, but man, the emotional weight of, of saying, I can't do this. Like I couldn't even balance myself enough to wash myself with a wash rack, you know, and what people don't realize about that day, um, I think I might've mentioned this to you one time when we talked or somebody else, uh, on one of the lives, but nevertheless, both, both my legs went, I mean, people saw that people don't realize that when, when I fell, the bar rolled off my, my back and the right shoulder was dislocated. And then throughout the surgery, because of the complications and the fact that it was two knees at the same time and on and on and on. And it wasn't like, this isn't a, a you know a pre-op where they're just like, hey, we're gonna do the routine replacement surgery and you're gonna be fine in this many hours and whatever. It wasn't that at all. It was like we're gonna try to save your leg. We're gonna make sure that the blood flow works. Like we don't know if we can put it back together. We don't know if you'll walk again. Definitely never gonna lift again. So it was all of this stuff, man, and it just it, it all hit. It all hit at once, and I I really could not have been at a worse place in my life as a man than to have my manhood or what I perceived as my manhood and, and capability, you know, um, questioned because I was not ready for those answers 
at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in your defense, not that you need it. I don't think anybody can be. And I, I guess for, for me, I've known this for a long time because I've, I've always, I guess anytime I've come up on a real physical setback, I've had to put this perspective is that, is that our capacity is not limited to what we can currently do. It's, it's limited to only what we're willing to try to do after. Sure. And, and, and to me, I, I, I've never been great at adapting to that positive mindset in the midst of the worst situation. But as soon as the dust settles at all, I have always been able to like, just say, okay, well, here's what's happening, you know? And, and like, like, like in the, in the, in the, in the surgery, I just mentioned, you know, my, my, my really, you know, kind of, it's somewhat irresponsible, but really felt important to me. Goal was we had a Christmas party uh, planned for the gym. That was uh, just a couple of days after I got out of the hospital from, from the fusion and, and the foot, uh, information and and I just fucking wanted to walk there, man. And and um, you know, so I did that. And and to me, like that may have been irresponsible. And and you know, I definitely got questions about it. But you know, fuck that, man. What what are you gonna do? You're gonna not see if you can do it because as soon as you concede, as soon as as soon as you let that pain win, as soon as you let that dysfunction win, man, it will win and it will take hold and it will it will stay and will hold on tight. And, and that's, I think that's much, much more important than, than romanticizing any of our previous capacities is, is what tiny steps that most others will not take. Are you willing to take after, you know? Yeah, um, man. And, I, uh, and, go ahead. No, that's it. No, I just, sorry. I, I just remember you kind of brought back a memory and I, I've talked about it before too, but I remember when they told me you're not going to walk for 10 months, like no way possible. I remember as soon as the doctor went out, I, uh, I kind of slid myself around and shuffled over to the side of the bed and just made myself stand on the ground and like bent over, you know, maybe 10%, but just had my hands just above the, the arms of a chair so that I was like, I was pushed up enough to say that I was standing on my own two feet, but quick enough that if I lost my balance or my knees rebroke, that I was going to like at least maybe catch myself in a dip position or something. But um, I just remember feeling like there's no doctor that can tell me I can't do this. And fuck this guy for saying that to me. Fuck this guy for saying I'll never lift again. And that started to cultivate this mindset of I would rather break again and lift than not lift at all. So I accelerated my, like, I didn't grade myself as healed by walking. I grade myself as healed by squatting. You know, that's right. I can, that's right, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're not videoing this right now. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and one thing I'll say, uh, and, and again, not just trying to continue to agree with everything you're saying, but I, I remember when, when they were assessing the fusion and then assessing the foot, and both the doctor and then whatever PA or nurse or whatever had said that, you know, the, 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 the chance of return to any sort of athletics was 15% uh, based on the severity of the injuries and the dysfunction of the foot and, and, and the healing time and all this kind of stuff. And I just remember being like, 
you know, the, the indignant hardcore kid in me came out immediately. And, and I'm sure I didn't say it, but I was just like, hey, you motherfuckers. No, yep. no, no way. And, and, you know, looking back on it now, most of the videos that anyone has ever seen of me, whether it be demonstration for, for instruction purposes or whether it be some of, some of my, my stuff, which is just demonstrating higher level details I've been practicing um, uh, to try and give, give people kind of a, a thing to move towards next or, or practice. All of that stuff has happened since that spinal fusion surgery. And, you know, there's a few videos out there where I was demonstrating some things in our old spaces that were prior to that surgery, but the stuff that's gotten really widely looked at is all post-surgery. Um, so although that doctor is not listening, go fuck yourself because 15% into fuck you. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, you know, it's like there's a part of me, and, and I guess if you really strip it down to what it is, it's two sides of the same coin. Insecurity was the the real measure of what I was feeling, but it was one, the side was fear propel, you know, fear propulsion to, you know, I, I can't be this guy. I can't be this broken guy. I was afraid of that. And then there was the motivation to like have this triumph story. Like you can overcome this. You can show people that you can put your mind to it. And there's, you know, I, and I think it was both, both sides of that were present in, in a state of hopelessness at some level. Um, I just didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was next. My entire income was basically generated around online coaching and seminars. And, man, there are so many fucking times. Dude, I can remember being three days out of the hospital with an infection, getting on an airplane with a, <laughs> with one of those drainage bags coming out of my knee, doing a seminar in Connecticut, much like you were talking about with the punk bands, You know, going up there hoping 10 people show up and two motherfuckers show up and they happen to be just two really fantastic guys. And the word of mouth and the appreciation from those two was enough to, to generate kind of like a, a few seminars in the Northeast. But, man, I read a review of one of the seminars. He's like, Brandon was just drugged up and just looked in pain the whole time. And that was it. Like, I would rather go there and sit there like a zombie, drugged up on Percocets or whatever it was, and share what I viewed as the best I could. But it was, dude, it was so laden with all the wrong motivation it wasn't me like hey i need this to get back and, and put myself out here for for the good reasons of, of coming back and being better it was like i'm just holding on to the threads of what i was trying to feel like i used to you know well, and and i mean not to try and psychoanalyze it but the, you can't <laughs> it's all good when when the chips are down sometimes that's really really important I mean, I, I, I respect that decision, you know, even if, even if in that moment you weren't thinking, okay, this is the most progressive choice at some point when the chips are down, you have to fall to things that, you know, have worked. You have to fall to things that, you know, are, I don't know, going to bring enjoyment or satisfaction or, or even just some type of like, man, just any sort of confidence, because in, unless someone has been truly down, it, it's hard to explain how low that feels. It's hard. It, it can be hard to explain how dark that is. And, and I mean, it, it's the same way that, that, you know, I'm sure many people do, but I do is, is there's a handful of movies that if, if I, if I just can't collect it um, and I watch something that I really, really like that I may have watched a million times, it puts you in a place that's just 5% different. You know, it's 3% different. You, you, you hear a record you've heard 10,000 times that you can 
remember the first time you heard it uh, and it was important to you. You know, those those types of things, when the chips are down and, and things are challenging, you know, having the self-awareness to apply those things, man, that's, that's, that's positive. That's like, that, that's, that's the lifeline, you know? Um, There's a comfort of comfort and like a familiarity to those things, I think. And it's like, especially when the brain is in a, in a tailspin, you know, um, about who you are, about what you're doing, about the pain that you're in. I think you need those somewhat as an anchor slash lighthouse, to just attach to and, and feel something different than what you're feeling at that moment, or at least that's how I relate it. Well, it's, it, it, it's a hundred percent true. And, and I think the main trouble, well, one of the main troubles with that being a post injury circumstance is that the way that injury and the way that American medicine works is they give you any drug you want as much as you possibly want it because they just assume that you're not going to find a real source of confidence or, or a real, you know, secondary path to fall on. So, so they give you that and geez, I mean, that is, that is toxic at a level that, that I, I know that you and I can both relate to and that we probably don't need to talk about here. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's, that's one of those truth serums that there, you know, there, there's a, there's a quote that we really love. Uh, there are poisons that blind you and poisons that open your eyes yeah. and, yeah. and any sort of, any sort of post-trauma, post-surgery, post-injury, anything like that, it's both. And, and you know, it's not until one starts to dissipate that you realize that it can be a poison that opens your eyes. Man, I, yeah, exactly. And I think that some of it can be how you navigate it too, you know, whether it deems itself long-term as, as the one that opens your eyes or the one that blinds you. Um, choices that you make, attitudes that you take, I think those things are important, you know, and, and sometimes you just have to go to a default mode, whatever you feel, you feel, but I think in those moments when you can navigate and actually have control of the thought, be like, hey, you got to get through this, I'm going to get through this, I mean, if you can, I, I certainly know that in my own, those were generic terms, but in my own way, you know, I was, I was trying to will myself through 24 hours all the time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and um, and and sometimes just not knowing how, and I know that that, and I look back at those times. You know, I've looked back at my Instagram during those times. I shared some pretty dark times with you before we started recording, yep. and I look back at those times, and I could not even say that I was fucking broken. You know, yeah. I was like put on yeah. a happy face and tell somebody how to squat, kind of thing. And um, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure. Well. <laughs> One, I'm sure they appreciated it because I'm sure the ones that cared about you could tell. Sure. And and two, uh, a perspective that I was forced to eat and have now come to enjoy is uh, that of compartmentalization. And and I've I've never like from a from a businessy sort of standpoint, that's never really been my cup of tea. But physically, psychologically. Uh, detail wise, I, I, I've developed, uh, um, I believe, a, a pretty strong command of my ability to compartmentalize and then have also turned that into into great progress strategies for others. If, you know, once we've uh, we, we call it our nine in one variable elimination strategy and, and really all it boils down to is once you've trained for a while, 
and you know that nine things are going to go right, but one thing uh, has shown that it will often go poorly, you laser focus in on that one thing and you beat it into submission. And that's also helped people really kind of single out and muscle memory the right things. You're you're doing certain things at this point um, properly almost all the time. Something is always going to come up that doesn't fall into that category. And if we help people address those singular things, they progress in a much more global way. Um, for, for, for me, what that, what that means is um, if I have to go train a group, if I'm going to attend a clinic, if I'm going to do something else um, and I'm in pain, which is often the case, um, if, if, there's, if there's business or personal challenges in my, in my way, which is often the case, I can single out exactly what my task at hand is and I can make myself at least patient enough to, to accomplish that task to the best of my ability. And, and, that, and that's not to say that people aren't going to notice that there's something going on. I mean, that, so the, the, an example I can, I can run off of this is um, last year I went to a, to a shooting clinic in, in, um, in New Jersey with Johnny Primo. And, and it, was, it, was, uh, it, was a yes. great, it was a great clinic. Um, I, I was, I was really fortunate to be able to, to add a little bit of a fitness element to that, that I, that I really was proud to be able to contribute. Um, but I was fucked up. My let, my leg wasn't cooperating. Um, and, and I knew, uh, I knew that in his courses as he should, as all, as all, in my opinion, um, as, as all courses should, um, elicited a stress shoot, you know, what, what can you do after taxing yourself physically? And if I was firing on all cylinders, um, I, I'm not saying that 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 component of it would have been easy, but I do that. You know, like that's when I drill myself and I train myself. I'm always doing that. Um, I, I'm never training in shallow water because I understand that real is not shallow. And so the stress shoot, I, I remember, you know, volunteering to go first because I just wanted to. I just wanted to at least set the best example I could. And. You know, I mean, I remember nearly falling down. Um, you know, limping pretty considerably during the run. Um, but fuck that, because that's not the point. You know, at that moment, that wasn't the point. Um, right. I, I, I knew I wasn't going to stop. I knew it wasn't going to break me. Um, and so I was just able to compartmentalize it. And, and, and at that moment, I was able to do what I needed to do, whether it was the best idea or not. And, and I, I believe that, I believe that that is a characteristics, that is a characteristic of people that can actually help people is you have to be able to remove yourself from the equation. And, and even though you may not see it now, you know, going to Connecticut to teach, um, in, in that compromised estate may have felt selfish to you, but, but, you know, man, there were also elements of non-selfish to that. Um, and, and that's, that's, I think being able to put those things in their box when they need to be put in a box, uh, is the only way people really evolve. If, if, if you can only train or perform or be kind or be helpful to others, um, when, when the lake is placid and everything is great, man, you don't really own yourself. You don't really own your process. You're, you're kind of just, you know, you just, I don't know, you're just normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, man, I think it's, a. Uh... I think it's a, a defense mechanism to make yourself feel like you're doing a lot more than you are sometimes, you know, and, uh, 
I've really tried to be conscious of that because sometimes when I feel like I'm swimming the hardest, I'm actually just treading water as far as <laughs> personal development or growth. It's like a lot of activity and action can feel like a lot of activity and action, but it, it's not really doing anything. So much, you know, like so many people that I've, I've really paid attention to lately, they strip it down. I mean, we talked about the, the one word post last night, toil. Yep. You know, when you look up the definition of toil, it's to it's to progressively work for a long period of time or an extended period of time. And right. I mean, what else do you need to say? Like, give us what we need. Yeah. Don't worry about the rest and just yeah. keep coming back and doing that. Like you said, that minimum level of stimulus that gets the result. I mean, if you go too far too fast, ultimately you miss steps. And that's where I've gotten to. Um, it, just like I was talking about my recovery, I could squat 500 pounds, but walking 500 feet was like climbing Everest. And, yeah. you know, it, it's just how many steps was I skipping? All of them. All of them. <laughs> I, I was going from the bottom of the stair. I was taking the escalator. You know, it wasn't even uh, It wasn't even an uh, it wasn't even a self-respecting thing that I was doing to myself. And it, it just, uh, you know, not to keep beating that same dead horse, but nevertheless, I mean, I just want to talk about it because I don't want people to be in those positions where they feel like they're alien for yeah. them. You know, yeah. they're, 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 they're something different or they have to put on a different face. I wish that I could have shown how much pain I was in. I should have shared how much pain I was in. So that one, maybe I could have navigated it a little more easily with help, and two, so people that are feeling it, because right now there's there's somebody that's going to hear this that's in pain, that's in a hidden pain, whether that's emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever it is, there's going to be some level of pain that listens to this podcast, and I can tell you that our exchange has made me feel better in, in many ways, but also the, the relentless self-examination that I've done for a number of years there's a lot of forgiveness in that and if I can help someone accelerate their forgiveness pattern of self you know when it's deserved not when it's like oh I'm just gonna take off work today and go do whatever I want because that's my life it's not that like the forgiveness of you did the best you could even though it didn't look like the best you know yeah, yeah and and well and, and yeah you may have not shared it then quite as quite as completely or as articulately as you are now but i would argue in the same way that the first time we talked <laughs> and you told me that if we'd have met 5 years ago we may not have liked each other um it, you know now now is better yeah and, for sure and that's 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 uh i think that's really important to consider too and the 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 idea of of maybe empowering is the wrong word, but, but at least commiserating with people that are in challenges that are based in actual toil and challenging circumstance and not simply minor inconvenience. Like most people yeah. is, 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 is really one of the, I mean, it, it's one of the reasons that we do what we do. And when I say we, I also say, I also mean you at this point and, and, that's, that's not a small thing to me. Like when I, when I put something up, um, that demonstrates a high level of training proficiency from someone in our training room or someone remotely, um, I feel a real sense of accomplishment for that because they did most of the work, but we planted the seed. And 
in the same way that when we share something or I share something about like actual turmoil, you know, non, non, non manufactured turmoil. Sure, and, sure. and that resonates with people that to me is far more satisfying because yeah, helping people improve how they're lifting or what they're moving or, or an element of that is extremely important. And, and, and I take it with s- extreme severity and seriousness, pulling someone out of the possibly the darkest place or a dark place or, or somewhere that they, that they may not have had a clear perspective on how to exit uh, without casualties, man, like you, that's, that is, that's just, that's it, man. That's it. That's like the most important thing. Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think that hopefully, and it, you know, my goal is so much more and that's, that's kind of been the vision of peace, love and meat while at many levels it's haphazard and it's accidental. It's, it's kind of found its rhythm. And like I told you earlier, I also had to pause it for a second. You know, the daily workouts are coming, the journal's coming, but I really wanted to be aware of the fact that I didn't want to just put something on there because it, it filled a post. I wanted to put things on there that mattered. I wanted to put things on there that have some, some meat to them, some, some worth, some thought maybe. And I haven't been doing a lot of the lives. I haven't been doing a lot of the podcasts because I've been looking at ways that I can address this because I was feeling good about it. And then it got to where it felt like I was just putting stuff there to fill that box. I wasn't putting stuff there because I was like, this is actually important. And I think for me right now, and I think at a broader level, especially through the change of COVID, I'll just leave it at that. I won't even damn the the industry as a whole. I'll just say because of COVID, people will need to think differently after this. Um, I will say that I think there's enough people talking, but I want to say something. You know, I don't want to just speak to have words, and I don't want to just put – you know, figures down on a page so that it, it, it appeases, you know, the number of likes that I get on every post. I want something to come out of this to where it's enriching for my life to know that, Hey, I didn't give up on myself and I didn't give up on other people. And that's number one. Like, I just want to help people get better. I just want to help people get to a point in their life where I wake up most days now so so like this completely filled with excitement towards the work that I'm doing the people that I'm around the, the things that I get to do but it hasn't always been like that and I still have bad days in between um and I just want to be a conveyor of truth through myself trying to figure this thing out I am not perfect I'm not anyone else other than me and I'm going to make mistakes I'm going to share mistakes that I've made but through that I think people will get a sense to know that if they're at least looking to me for some direction, the best way forward is to self-analyze, be honest, and self-attack. Like, and I don't mean attack as in, you know, negate. I mean attack as in when you find those weaknesses. Find, you know, we were saying the same thing, and, man. You said it just a minute ago with the workouts. And and when 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 you when you start hunting deficiencies is when you actually start realizing that they can be they can be as much of an ally as an enemy. And, sure. and even, even, <laughs> even thinking about the fact that you, you, you're, you're cultivating your content differently. Um, but with a purpose, it, you know, one, one of the, one of the phrases, one of the graphics that we even use is, is non-disposable. 
And that, that's, that's a thought process that's in my mind all the time when it comes to what we share. If, if, if what I'm sharing is momentary, then it has to go in a momentary context. Sometimes that's something like an Instagram story or something like that. But even when we do that, if it does not have transcendent value, then with very few exceptions, I do not, I do not show it or share it. And that's because, that's because, as you said, also with, with as many people talking, it's important to have a voice, but if the voice isn't right, all it does is just blend with the crowd. And, right. you know, and, and, and even in terms of like how we've developed our brand and some of our, well, you know, we, we put out this subversive fitness site, we, you know, I've been getting asked for 12 years to have a, a, you know, online training or whatever. And we, we always put it off because I didn't really like the notion of it. Um, all the stuff that we paid for or got for free and read and looked through, there were very, very strong elements to some of it, but, but most of it was far too plug and play to be truly valuable. Um, far too plug and play to be truly scalable, uh, for any different fitness level. So until we came up with a concept that I knew that we could pull off differently and better than anything I'd seen, um, you know, we looked at anything we would have put out previously is disposable. Not now. Um, you know, that, that, that subversive fitness site is, 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 I mean, the people that are performing in that are experiencing the same type of growth and progress as, at, or at least most of the same as, as the people that are training with us here in, in person. Um, so it's, <laughs> I guess, I guess everything has its season is, is really where all that went. Well, you know, it's funny that I was, as we were talking about all this, I, I reflected back to the, to the beginning, we must bear down, breathe patiently through the fog and grime and wait for our time, you know, and I think that's where I'm at personally right now is kind of the fog and the grime. Um, I think it's very easy to look at my life right now and be like, oh, everything is good. And it's in the wake of a lot of years where I spent making a lot of mistakes. So I kind of remind myself, one, don't think that it's all so good yet because it's only going to get better because I'm mean, acting the same patterns and the same behaviors that got me from a very dark place, a very low place to this point of good, well, with some navigation moving forward and calibration moving forward, the trend should continue upward. You know, I should be happier than this. I should be in better relationships moving forward and so on. Um, but also, it gives me the chance to, to remind myself, don't get too high, but don't think this is it either. Um, and, I, and I think that for the first time in a long time, I'm not looking at this moment right here and saying, this is it, but I'm not necessarily rushing the next step. And I don't know if you've ever had that light bulb moment where you really went from trying to get it all right now to, I want to take this a little differently. Man, you talk about a, a, a sigh of relief, you know, to just know that I trust myself and I trust myself in situations of stress and challenge and difficulty enough at this point of 38 years of a long line of bad choices. It's given me some scars and it's given me some toughness and rigidity to know that while I might not have the answers in the, in this moment, I will keep going, you know, whatever that means, I will keep going. Well, and, 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 and if any, if anything is we're, we're both learning on a daily basis, that the answers are out there and 
the, the, the fact that no one has brought them to us, in my opinion, means that they're more important to search for. And, yeah. and I, I, I guess, and I don't know if this was a blessing or a curse, but I, I, I always knew that this would work from the standpoint of, of not sucking and helping and helping people that were local and very invested. But I never thought it would, I, I, because of, because of how I view maybe the fitness industry, because of how I view modern culture, I never thought it would take the way that it has even. So anything from here out is unexpected and uncharted territory because realistically within the realms of fitness, even the people that are doing things that are somewhat unconventional are often relegated to that kind of, uh, trapdoor that I touched on earlier, which is that they're, they're celebrated for being different, but not necessarily for being better. Yeah. It's like a stick, right? It's like, you know, here's the, the latest and greatest infomercial, you know, you, you watch it because it's like, it's bright and it's loud, but it, it doesn't stick around very much. Is that what you're saying? Or that, that's, exactly, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. And another way to phrase it, I think for me would be like, you know, in my life, I've watched many, many bands, that had a really specific look that was really wild or out of character or something like that, but they fucking sucked. And so when people were watching that band, they were watching that band because of their outfits or their, their, you know, their flagrantness or something like that. But if you suck as a band, I don't care how you look, you suck, you know? <laughs> and that's, yeah. and that's, that's, that's a trap that I, that I was very, very well aware of even back in Long Beach when I was just learning and then teaching um, and, and that we will never fall into if, if, if we aren't confident in the product that we put out and we have to use any type of like tricky visual marketing or something like that to sell it, then we just won't ever sell it. Yeah. Well, dude, can, I, can we switch gears here for just a second before we wrap up? Cause we've been going, you and I've been talking for almost three hours now and I want to talk about some. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, I just want to shift over cause I'm, I'm very interested in you professionally, but I'm also interested in you in you know, like some of your style and some of the things that drive you and motivate you. Um, this is going to get kind of interview style. So, okay, I'm ready. A couple, a couple authors that really either influenced you in a way of, I actually want this, if you, if you don't mind, if I can be so, so brash to say, yeah. this. Yeah. I want two. I want two authors that inspired you to be like, I really want to be like them. And then a clear cut author that you were like, that's fucking garbage. And I don't understand why they're celebrated. Oh man. <laughs> um, well, as far as reading, I've read a lot. I enjoy most of the things I read. Um, I really, really love Clive Barker. Um, when, I, I was I, a, when I was a kid, uh, of course, like most kids, uh, with any type of creepy mind, I read, I read a ton of Stephen King and, and even up until now, some of the wordplay that both of those guys use has, has been a really heavy influence in how I construct things. Um, and e even some of the ways that I, that I phrase and punctuate a little differently and things like that have, have been based on not necessarily maybe how they did it, but a, a cadence that they would establish in their writing. Yeah. Um, and so, so certain things like that to me just, just really landed hard. So I guess if, 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 if I had to pick two low hanging fruit, it, it's, it's those two 
because they got in early and they got in, they got in uh, pretty thoroughly. Sure. And then, and then, you know, someone like Clive Barker, that's just basically mystifying counterculture characters, you know, I mean, a, a book, a book like Cabal where, yeah. where, you know, what he's writing about is of course, like a, you know, a, um, a group of people that are essentially, you know, air quotes, monsters living underground. Um, my, my relationship to that was always, well, yeah, okay. They're monsters, but they're not really monsters. That's me and my friends, you know? And, yep. and so there was, I had, I had kind of a special relationship uh, with, with that type of content. Um, and then I've just always liked creepy, creepy, horror-y type stuff. Um, and <laughs> an author that I truly do not like. Um, man. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to think, <laughs> I kind of want to think that one out. There, okay, there's, no problem. That's the, no problem, man. If you want to come back to it, that's fine. The, 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 the the only things I don't like to read are things that I feel people have forced. Like I, I can, I can read something that's written in a choppy way, or I can read something that, that definitely could have used some polishing, um, but that has sincerity and I can still really appreciate it. Um, but the only things I really, really don't like to read is, is just canned modern bullshit where you can tell that it's someone that, you know, lives in a six-figure home, trying to mystify characters that they could never relate to in real life. James um, Patterson, Danielle Steele, that, yeah, I mean, ex that archetype. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's there, there's no relationship to the material, and and okay, it might be written in a formulaically correct way, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to land. And that's the same as that's the same as music. That's the same as as training or anything else. You know. Well, but, you know, uh, and those books, those books, they do serve like. I call it just, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but it's just kind of like that thinkless um, stimulation. Like you're doing something that's not watching TV and it's not necessarily, it's just a pure escape. It's not a lot of, of heady work to, to consume it, you know? And well, I think that's the way my mom consumes literature. She just wants something to check out and, and sit down and have quiet time with. Well, and, and, and that's the other thing. And it's one of the reasons I just decided not to try and single anyone out is, is that I, sure. I still, in a way, respect that. Um, and in a lot of ways, again, just like bad music or bad training or anything else to the right eyes, it's a gateway drug, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. and, and I always appreciate that. Any, any, anything that leads something, anything that leads someone to something else that's either advancing or better is, is, is somewhat positive. Chuck Palahniuk, and specifically Fight Club. What did, what did you think of that? Yeah, that's man. Are you? How are you? How are you in my head right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have, so, I, have uh, I have the narrator and I have Tyler tattooed on my side. Um, so I go, I go for it. I I don't look at that as a work of fiction. Um, I look at it as a blueprint and. Um, I, I believe there were elements of that book that if he were to rewrite it now, he could make a hell of a lot sharper. Um, but, but from a concept standpoint, um, from a, from a cultural importance standpoint, um, from, uh, on, on a downside from a rallying, a bunch of idiots around causes, they would never actualize standpoint. Yeah. Um, it, it's done all of those things in ways that I can't think of any other book that has, yeah, man, I um, 
so like like so many people, I probably saw the movie first, but then I found the book, and I found the book way better than the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and the movie was good. I mean, the movie was good in its own for, right. Uh, for, for sure on both. Yep. Yeah, and um, I really started to fall in love with his style of writing and the fact that I'll never forget um, there was a review, I think it was for Choke, and somebody said, it was along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, most authors will sit at a typewriter and peck. Polaniac pulls out the sledgehammer. You know, and I thought, man, what a compliment. If I could ever garner any type of comparison to that sentiment of just, like, stripping away the bullshit, leaving everything to chance on the fact that you're just putting it out there for what it is. You're not trying to make it more than that, you know? And the clear-cut explanations of things and the stuff that you would expect to be censored or curbed or PC and it's not, like, that's real life. And that's yep. what made those those words connect to me so thoroughly. Um, but I want to ask you this: What is your take on on the overall theme of that movie? Because you know the masculinity is the overbearing, like that's the in your face theme. But I'll tip my card. I think it's the greatest love story that I could recognize, <laughs> or the most realistic. Yeah. So, so just one thing I'll say, and I I, I think I only said this once. Um, but it was about Palinuk, and, and I, I think it was years ago in a conversation, and I said that he writes with a knife. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I think that that's, I think that that is still true. I hadn't thought about it until just a couple of minutes ago when you talked about it. Um, as okay, so as far as the undercurrent of the book, as I, as I mentioned, like I, I know that, I know that it is a work of fiction, but. When, when I say that, when I say that it's, it also resonates to me as, as, you know, kind of a blueprint in a sense or, or something like that. It's not, not from even the masculinity standpoint, but just the fact that, that, that to get unconventional things done requires unconventional means. Um, a, a story couldn't land much harder than it landed with, with me like that. Yeah. Um, and, and from, I mean, from the love story standpoint, Geez, I mean, of of course, for sure, it it's there, there's of course a bleakness to it that some people would 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 let overshadow the non bleakness of it. But just as in the same way that 1984 might be the greatest love story I've ever read, yeah. um, I mean, you 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 have to look at it and say, okay, what are we really looking for here? You know, like it's it's if it's not heavy enough to kill me, then I probably don't want to think about it. Yeah. Well, that's the way I am too. I mean, I think I get very black and blue with my thoughts, you know, and, um, I I try to, I try to take an idea or a concept or a thought or a feeling and really process it down almost to, I mean, it is a level of micro insanity for sure. You know, I I can get so far (laughs) consumed just on the most trivial of things. Um, I mean, Fight Club, for example, to go back to the love story concept, to watch this movie, you know, as a 20-something and and to enjoy the violence and to enjoy that hyper-masculine sex, rock and roll, drugs kind of thing, um, and then to see it as an older as an older man and to look at the fact of, like, this guy is literally pummeling himself, you know, into submission in this life. Yeah. He, can't, he can't get out of his own way. Yeah. And is deranged and is 
crazy as the circumstances are around their relationship, she, she just keeps showing up. And the most powerful moment of all, and I think it was a reflective mirror of me, of what I was looking for, you know, like what I'm looking for in life altogether is for me to look outside my window through my eyes to see it all burning down around me. And then somebody takes my hand and it's like, it's going to be okay. Like we're, we're in this together. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's probably the least appreciated element of fight club. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just, it kind of rocked me, um, you know, because like most movies or most things in time, you just get away from them for a little bit, and there was a clear-cut shift in the way that I watched that movie. You know, the tones of things, the, the things that I noticed or paid attention to, because there's a lot of layers to that movie, even if you watched it five times in a row. My like, God. You know, yep. to take just a year or two in between viewings, that's one that, do you ever... Do you watch it casually or is that one you kind of prep yourself for? Well, that's funny, man. So like I've, I've, um, when I drove around quite a bit last year, uh, to teach and, and things, I, 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 um, welcome to 1999 for me. I learned how to use audiobooks in my car, um, <laughs> but I, I, I re-listened to it. Uh, so I've re-listened, I've re, I read it, I read it early I watched it early a bunch and then I re-listened to it two times in the last maybe 18 months. Um, and I haven't watched it tip to tail in, in quite a while, but I've, I've heard it recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'm going to watch it again, tip to tail simply because now I'm, now I'm, I'm extra curious. Do you have any movies that personally weigh on you? Like for one, I'll tell you a little story here about gladiator. Um, you know, that's like the, perennial movie that's always on TNT or USA on Saturday morning at like 10 o'clock or whatever. So it it used to be this thing that it just, it started to correlate when I would have a bad meet gladiator would have been on the the, the hotel television at some point. Like I would have caught a moment of it. I would have heard it or whatever. And it it just came to the point where I was very cautious about even turning on the TV. I got my lap. I just got, you know, superstitious about the thing. The day I got hurt, I walked out of the shower and somehow like I'd set the sleep timer that night before, but I'd set an alarm timer the next morning for the TV to come on. Gladiator was on the day that I got hurt after. And it was like, I don't know how much of a, like a microwave thought that was in my head, but it it was definitely there all day. I can remember thinking that even going into the arena, like, man, is that, is that a bad sign? Is that an omen? And then it happened. But you know, true to form i just sat down not very long ago and was like you're gonna watch this and whatever happens happens so i was just like kind of powered through it and then the next couple days i was just waiting around for something terrible to happen but you know it's just it's one of those stupid correlations that i've made but do you have any movies that you avoid for different reasons or you really take very very seriously for different reasons Fuck. Well, so the, the, the bigger question that I'll extrapolate to is, do I play mind games with entertainment? And of course the answer is yeah. The answer is yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I, uh, I, I, there are different themes of movies and stuff that I simply just can't watch. And, 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 you know, part of that is tied up with some stuff that that's happened. And, and part of that is stuff with some t- tied up with some stuff that I just, I just don't really sit all that well with. Um, but from from a standpoint right now if if it's 
if it's just too heavy to feel important, I have to leave it off the table because everything else is just so heavy, you know? Um, and, and for me early on, uh, a a movie that both helped and hurt at a lot of the wrong times was taxi driver for me. Wow. Um, And, and it, it was, it was because I first watched it as a youth and I watched it amidst some times that, that, a person like me should not have been watching a movie like that. Right. And um, thankfully none of that went any different than it did. But, but as I got older, I would watch it and I would remember the fact that like some of the ways that that made me feel were really, really important ways, you know, and, and, and not, not maybe even looking at the movie as a whole, but compartmentalizing pieces of that movie, you know, eventually that person realized that if he wanted to actualize whatever plan he had, whether it be a terrible or a great plan, you know, I'm not trying to get into the philosophy of it. He had to make hard boiled changes and he had to fucking make them hard. And that, that kind of thing, while it was definitely extreme and, and probably not hundred percent positive, you know, sp- spoke to someone who, who has always felt like an outcast and a bit of a misfit and, and um, you know, see- seeing that, on screen in that type of heavy way and and man just how articulate that movie was and how how it made you feel that that's a movie that i wouldn't just casually put on and watch even now yeah that's one it's been a while since i've unpackaged that one um you know myself and what a great movie though i mean it's great as in the terminology of it's important, I think, you know, it's it has a place. Impactful. It has a place. It, it, it's impactful in a way that, that I believe that if someone can watch that movie and not feel anything, I'm not sure that I would get along with them on a real personal level, you know? <laughs> yeah, for um, sure, man. And, and then I guess just to bright, just to brighten it up a little bit, um, a movie that I can watch any time of the day or night at any time. And I do, um, is hot fuzz. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, highly overlooked movie man i just i just think that that movie that that and gross point blank are are really just they have everything that i ever want in a movie um yeah there's there's intelligent writing there's violence there's a love story you know (laughs) yeah um you've you've got everything that that i would need (laughs) oh i want to ask you about another movie that that kind of caught me at it how old are you by the way do you mind me asking um, I'm older than 25 and, and not as old as 50. Okay, cool. Perfect. I, I kind of estimated that, uh, that you're a little bit older than me and I'm 38. So nevertheless, uh, last of the Mohicans, did you, how did you feel about that movie? Man, um, in the interest of not manufacturing answers, uh, that is a phenomenal movie that I have not watched since probably a year or two after it came out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the ones that kind of, the first time I saw it, which I was fully engrossed in a, in a Native American, um, I, I guess like you would just call it time in my life where I was reading a lot of kids' books about them and going to museums and, you know, okay. I, found my first, I found my first arrowhead. So it was one of those things I can remember watching this and getting uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica down and looking up the Mohicans and, you know, finding out about the book and finding out about the author and all these other things. And it just like right movie, right moment, yeah, right sentiment. Yeah. And I think it was something. Also, my dad, like he's still in my life. He's 
still alive, and he's a great man. But he was just gone a lot when I was a kid. I mean, he just worked long hours. And I was really, really at that point, nine, ten years old, whenever it came out, when I was, like, starting to notice that he wasn't around as much. And my other kids, my other friends always had their dad around. And I watched this movie, okay. and I watched the passion that the father fought with and the, the drive that he had to get up this mountain. Yeah. And, you know, that was, to me, it was like I, I longed for that. I longed for that feeling to have something, one, where somebody would fight for me, but also someone to fight for. Um, that movie just shook me when I first saw it. I've watched it pretty pretty heavily throughout my life, but it's always one that I kind of take serious, too. You know, pop the good popcorn, get the good butter, <laughs> make sure that That's... I can make sure that I can enjoy it the best I can. My, 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 my feelings, my feelings on it are not in any way neutral. They're just dated. Um, and, and I mean that, uh, that's something I'll watch again soon because that sounds, that sounds like something I could use a look at right now, but, but it's funny because even just at a very baseline level, when you, when you mentioned the movie, it immediately put kind of a visceral feeling in of like, yeah, underdogs fighting, underdogs fighting. That's it. You know, it's like yeah, if, yeah. if there's if there's an undercurrent theme in so much of what I enjoy, um, it's it's really you know I guess it's it's that you know um, pe- people finding ways to conquer unconventional challenges, even if they may not seem perfectly functional or or, or relevant to everybody. Um, I mean, that's important. You know, any real challenge is not going to present itself square in front of your face and give you the fucking solution on a piece of paper. Is the let me ask you this, and you know this might be t- too poetic of attempt and a question, but I think it's it's a valid question. Do you think that we've misinterpreted the American dream as you know the white picket fence and and this and that for the ability to at least be the underdog in the fight? You're you're killing me, man. So for for me, if if there was something that I beat myself up about. Uh, too often on a regular basis, um, it, it, it's really that, you know, and and completely voluntarily. I'm not taking any. I'm not taking any responsibility off myself here. Is that to to build what I build in the ways that I've built it, um, and and this goes through all the all the different projects that I've ever had. And I mean, we haven't even gotten into any of those. Um, <laughs> I've I've sacrificed a lot is the wrong way to put it. I suppose it, I suppose it's right in a way. Um, but that, that version of the American dream was off the table for me a long time ago. Sure. And, and I, I, I don't romanticize it being off the table because I find myself often romanticizing it being on the table. Right. And, and I can't, I can't, really tell if, if when I think it about it in that way, it's, it's, it's moments of disclarity or moments of insecurity or moments of extreme challenge or, or pain or something like that. Um, but I, I can't say whether we've, whether we've misperceived it as a culture, as a nation, um, because I know some people are in that position and they, and they really, really love it. But one thing I can say is that a lot of people that are in that position, uh, wish that they had the opportunity to do something a little bit different. Sure. And, and I talked to enough of them um, that use, you know, physical culture and, and high level learning as that thing. And I respect the fuck out of that. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you've got, if you've got things in your life that are consistent and, and 
they have to be, you know, a home, family, children. Um, you, you know, you have to accessorize that as best you possibly can without compromising it. And and I respect I respect that to a degree that that it's, it's significant. Yeah, I think um, I think for me, you know, I don't think that there are collective dreams. I think that there can be collective movements, and maybe at some level, I definitely agree that there's a, there can be collective vision. But I think dreams are hyper personal. You know, I think the the American dream model, and I, you know, I'm doing the the silly self quotes, air quotes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The American dream model. <laughs> was a was a manufactured product you know it's not this idea of you know there wasn't white picket fences in 1776 you know or 1800 or whatever it was i mean to me america has always been the semblance with the desire for the individual to have the right to stand up for whatever they believe in to protect those that that can't protect themselves and to stand up in the face of those that that do wrong you know, that to me is the American dream, is the ability to stand for that. And whatever that means individually then becomes the dream. You know, what are you standing for? Who are you defending? Who are you walking away from defending? Those kind of things allow the person to navigate the American experience as their dream. At least that's the way I've conceptualized it. And to me, that, that goes back to the point that you were making. It becomes the underdog in the fight because at every turn, when you stay on that true path of following yourself, or at least I've experienced this, and some of the things you've shared led me to believe that you have too, that's where it gets hard. The further you go down that path, even though you've got momentum and you've got confidence and belief in that vision and that dream, um, it still gets harder as you go. Well, y- y- yes, yes to all of that. Um, and, and the, the blanket American dream, the, the, the Pleasantville American <laughs> dream, um, you know, it, I, I vote, it, it was a period piece that held on too long. You know, I mean, when, when, when I believe that the conventional American dream aesthetic in the 50s or 60s um, started translating into the later decades, it didn't adapt, you know, so, so the concept is still there, but geez, I mean, now, of course, we know nothing, nothing is an island. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a clean, you know, black and white American dream now. Um, sure, sure. There, there are, there are little tiny pockets of that. I mean, we, we both travel quite a bit by car and, and I go through little towns and, and places like that all the time that I, that I look through and I say, oh man, look at this place. You know, it's, it's like, it looks perfect, but the reality is, in, in that weird outward appearance, it is absolutely not perfect, you know? Sure. And, and it, it may have been perfect in the fifties or sixties or seventies, but I mean, that's just not where we are now. And, and so for, for me, any, any American dream that doesn't account for the fact that America has changed as much as it has is, is not really a dream at all. You know, it's kind of a delusion. Yeah. Well said, man. That's a, that's a very valid point. I think, you know, it's kind of like the—I hate to say it this way—but it's kind of like the old guy that wears the red polyester jacket still. You know, it, it just—it it looked good, and it was the—it was the right thing when it was the right thing, but it just held on a little too long, exactly as you said. And I think that, at least my opinion of things—I know this—you know—I'm a patriotic guy, I'm a, I'm a Constitution guy, but I also think that, like you said, 
we have to be realistic. You can't turn a blind eye to what life is presenting you as fact. You know, the, the fact is, the America that I see, like I'm looking, I'm in a parking lot right now. By the way, this is one of my favorite spots in the world, and I wanted to do this podcast here for that reason. That's but awesome. I can, see, I can see a lot of places right around here that, that look the part of being good, but I know the people that own the businesses, or I know the people that own the homes, and I hear their frustrations, and I hear their, their you know, just trying to navigate what America is today, and it's not that white picket fence. It's not the 2.3 kids. It's not having dinner on the table when dad gets home. I mean, that might sound nice and feel nice, and grandma and grandpa might do that, but I just don't see a lot of people actualizing that, and I think in some way, shape, or form, there is an, there is an expected modernization of that white picket fence dream. You know, it's the new house, the new car, maybe just like standardized rather than, than specified, whereas people are chasing those things. I mean, I heard a statistic the other day, yeah. could, not, could not believe it, but I do believe it. The average American has $400 that they can access right now. What? What? That's exactly what I heard. This guy, this economic, he was an, he was a comics economics guy. Um, I think it was actually on the Rogan show. Um, I'll find the episode, but he was, he was a pretty intelligent guy looking at a lot of things. And he said the average American right now has access to four hundred dollars. Household has about a thousand dollars. I mean, at, of, of the things that I am rich in, money is certainly not one of them, but. That seems unrealistic to me. I thought so, too, until I started doing some just, you know, taking it for what it is, Google. It's at least what I could find at least less than 3000 You know what I mean? Like, that was the cap that I saw as, like, the average person. And, I, and that might have been taken into account, the fact that, you know, you, you could sell some records or you could sell a pistol or you could sell a bike or something like that. But it was definitely, like, the the assumption was the average person has less than three thousand dollars of liquidity. Well, my, my my relationship with that and and you know it it, it I'll, I'll make it as quick as possible because there's no chance that people are not sick of hearing both of us talk at this point. Um, <laughs> is is when I was in Long Beach, um, I was fortunate. I I made an adult amount of money for the first and only time in my life. Um, I lived in a reasonably nice neighborhood, but in Long Beach, to live in a really nice neighborhood costs more than any of us would make. And sure, so sure. I lived in a reasonable neighborhood. Um, and it was just all, it was all apartments and they were beautiful, but they were apartments. And the, the street was lined with BMWs and Mercedes that cost basically what I would make in a year. Yeah. And every night you would see people go into their tiny apartments with their 50 or 60 or $70,000 cars sitting out front. And, yep. and, and to me, even to this day, and as soon as you started uh, walking down that path with your last statement, it's the first thing I thought about is those people are paying an equal amount for their rent as they are for their car payment. Sure. And and the only answer to that, the only why answer to that could be pursuit of this aggrandized, you know, either be quote unquote American dream or American delusion or whatever the case is. But when I think about that, and then I think about your statement about how much people have 
to actually access, I mean, if that's actually happening, then that might actually be the truth. And that's trouble, man. That is well, trouble. I, I think it is. I mean, you know, there's America. Uh, well, it, like you said, this is too heavy of a time to go two and a half hours in unless we want to go five hours. But um, <laughs> I just think that the best thing that that's coming from what you and I are both saying is that the best way to evaluate. Well, I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll say for myself. I think the best truth about the American dream example is that that holds true for the self. You can't have these ideas that you once held and believed in without review. You know, if you're truly trying to change yourself and truly trying to figure out why things haven't worked and how to do things that do or to find a process that works, you really have to say, am I chasing the things that I think I should have? Am I really wanting those things or am I just doing what I'm told? I mean, that's how I view it. And when I started to really tune out what I was being told to like, told to think, told to feel, told to, you know, kind of shaped in that model, as we talked about with powerlifting, like yeah. I started to look, talk, yes. act like, feel like a powerlifter. Um, I started to find, find this person again. And we, as we talked about before too, the theme of my life is I've always been good or, or I've been a part of the group because of what I could do, not who I am. And Man. I think and for the first time in my life, I'm finding out it's okay to be who I am exactly as I am because I can still do those things. That, so that's exactly right. It's, it's the sum, you know, you're, you're, you're the sum of its parts. Now you're not simply a part. And, and th th that, that statement and that level of self-awareness is, is, is phenomenally impressive anyway. Um, and, and then I guess just, just to, just to, put put a period at the end of that sentence is if if what someone is doing on a minute to minute basis is not honoring some sort of greater personal purpose um oftentimes they they lose the greater personal purpose they they they, they actually forget that there is something greater than the current moment we're in um absolutely and 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 for me i i, I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't advise my path to anyone. <laughs> um, I I think that, and that doesn't mean not training people. That doesn't mean not starting a small business or when that one fails, starting another one or when that one fails, starting another one. But the, 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 the life of unconvention that is often uncelebrated and you have to rely on drips of water to quench your thirst for years and years at a time man, like it's, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why I've been able to stick with it and, and stay even as focused as I am. But, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that to, I wouldn't recommend that American dream to anybody. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's a hard thing because, you know, I'm sure you get it in, in some ways and I get it too, is people, they don't quite understand my life. So I think they, they, they may be, glamorize what it is in their lot in their eyes or their their mind and they're like man i wish i could have parts of that or i wish i could live like you do or whatever and it's like Ooh. i mean yeah now yeah. <laughs> you know it, yeah it, yeah and i'm not sure and i'm not sure that fuck man i i don't know that i would do the same things but i would hope for the same ends you know but you can't you can't navigate great. the things you can't that's navigate great. the things to get the same results even that concept, you know, man, and, and even that concept is great. And, and I'm, I, 
that may be a pretty strong place to at least put a pin in round one here is is yeah is, is i i also would not advise my path to others but i'm but i'm pleased with where the path is now um, right and, and moving forward i know that all i'm going to be able to do is greater amounts of good and and it's it's because of all that arduousness it's because of all those pitfalls it's because of all those naysayers you know they they they're in my fucking rearview mirror now man they're in my wake and 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 that's only going to improve from here out forever you know sure and and man i i believe that's the most that's the most important thing that we're both doing now is is we're looking very non singularly at at what our processes can accomplish Man, I think we've accomplished a lot. Even if God. we, uh, even if we didn't solve anything, we asked a lot of questions and, and had a great discussion. I, uh, I'm glad that you said it's round one because I think and would like, if you're open to it, for this to just kind of be something that happens when it happens. I mean, I think you have enough valuable things that I want to share and and take part in myself. I don't want to just passively share a post that you write like. I'm selfish, man. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate I, the time. I, I appreciate all of it, and, and and one thing that I think, especially with how with how sharp you have been with with asking things that make sense for me, is also sharing more about like small business sides of things, and like even maybe sharing a little bit more about writing or something because we get questions about that stuff all the time, and like when it really boils down to it, as, as I've said before, and as is just a hundred percent truthful, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't beat the drum too loud, but I mean, I, I've done an awful lot of stuff that still hasn't even been brought to the table. And, and now that people are getting more curious and, and seeing some value in what we do in some different ways, I, I know that even some of the less conventional stuff can help people that are minded for it. And, and, and I'm excited about that too. Oh, I, I absolutely agree, and I mean, to be completely honest, like I said, I'm not I'm not bored of the conversation. I just think it's fair to do to do diligence to the the information that is coming that we stop here so people can digest it in in parts. I mean, I think this is just the beginning for me. I wanted to talk about your writing. I wanted to talk about all these other things. So, anytime that you're ready, and if it becomes a weekly thing, you know, just just till we figure it out and get through it. I don't care. This is, this is ours and we can do whatever we want. So same, same. And, and, and I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited based on the Instagram live and the responses that I got to. And, and something I didn't get a chance to mention is, is an awful lot of people reached out to me too following that. Um, and, and it was, it was both excitement that we were talking and excitement that I was talking to you and also excitement that you were talking to me. And, and, and all that really was, was people that have seen us get constantly pushed aside and courted by someone and then dumped. And, yeah, and yeah. It, it just, it, it had a sincerity to it. And even today, I just, I can't wait to share this with people. You know, as soon as it's done, um, people may get annoyed with it, but I'm going to make sure that anyone that cares about what we're doing, here's what we said today. Well, I can tell you, um, I don't have a whole lot lined up tonight. I know I said Thursday. I probably will review it just to make sure that like everything is crisp and tight and the, the audio is good. But if I can check this thing out tonight, I'll get it out tonight. But in respect of Sornex, um, the podcast they release comes out on Wednesday. I just don't want to conflict with that. So I think maybe Thursday is just best anyway. 
it, it, it it'll be tough to wait, but that's just fine. And and I and I appreciate it so much. And um, yeah, this is this is this is part one. And and you know, if 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 we had one other second, and it and if the people listening wanted requests or had comments or questions for part two, I'm totally open to that too. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we can prompt that now. I think that we've talked about it. I think this will generate maybe some hope and belief in the way that you and I discuss things that's interesting enough to, to keep people coming back for subsequent conversation. And I think it might generate some questions from what we've said and generate questions forward. So I, I just think we're in green space now. I, I think we've thrown the pebble in the pond and we've got work to do. So I, I agree and, and I appreciate it. And I, I've enjoyed every minute of this today. So, so th- thank you very much. Oh, thank you, brother. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Look forward to it. Have a great day, and thank you to everyone listening. Absolutely. As always.